Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're here to discuss the merge episode of season 41 of Survivor, uh, Ready to Play Like a Lion. Um, And it's one of the first episodes ever without an elimination. I think it's, what, one of like two episodes ever where there's no player count change? Or like status change or like tribal council, stuff like that. Um, of yeah, course, we've, think, we've yeah. covered Edge of Extinction and there's been Redemption Island. But yeah, this is like the first time it's like we went in with 12 and we came out with 12 in pretty much the same place. Yeah. And other than, I guess, merging, there's no like no one's on X, like no one's on Redemption. No one's mm-hmm. doing any sort of funny business. They're just all kind of there. I guess Erica's on Exile, but is Mm -hmm. still a player in the game and hasn't been eliminated or changed. Yeah, Yeah. so it's kind of cool that way. Um, I more or less really enjoyed this. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I think I'm in favor of maybe doing something like this every season, maybe. Uh, I think we've uh, long complained that uh, this season, especially early on, there's just so much gunk to get through that you didn't really get a good sense of who even was with who. Whereas this episode, I feel like we did get a good uh, understanding of, like, where alliances are forming, who likes who, who doesn't like who, why, some fun, like, laughy-laughy scenes. It's like a good mix, good character-building episode. For sure. I think, yeah, we've said before, this is this is a good thing to add more time. And it is weird to leave, sort of, so starkly, and, like, the end credits roll, and there's no final words for anyone. But I'm very glad to have this extra time just to, even without the pressure of tribal council at the end you just get time to know people and see where they're thinking heading into into that first merge tribal council but no it's not there so it's a lot of space for them to breathe and get lots of moments so yeah i really enjoyed it i want more of this honestly Yeah, even, like, the style of content's different, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because normally you'll get, like, some fun interpersonal stuff before the challenge, and then challenge hits, and from then on it's, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing, scheming, plotting, that whole deal... And you don't get it like that. St- that entire block of content after the challenge is devoted to like the actual scheming, right? The actual numbers lining up and all that sort of thing, and doubt and oh, am I going this way or that way? Uh, whereas you don't get like like you don't get things just presented as they are after the challenge usually. So we got to see that like the whole time, just people being truly as they are, at least. Obviously, as narrative byproducts uh, in a completely <laughs> sculpted and manufactured story, but still, as they are meant to be presented as characters with no sort of diluting or anything. Yeah, and it's also nice to think about how there's really another full episode of content before Tribal Council too. So we'll get even more of that going forward. So that of- said, I do think that, like, obviously, we see a big departure here in terms of format. <laughs> and I feel like it's been a little talk to death, some of the issues, but I mean, I'm sure we should still talk a little bit about what we think about these twists. I think my gun, and I actually have no idea what you're going to think about these. I liked the split up thing where they split up the two groups and six people are immune and six aren't and everybody still votes. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, a little online reality gamey, but I don't actually think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on that part, Joe? Yeah, I was gonna bring up, like, online reality stuff. Like, this is not new to that sphere, these sort of twists and stuff. 
But I think what we're seeing here is sort of the first draft of what you think of when you're thinking up a game and the twists and stuff. And you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? And then whomever you're working with hopefully is like, no, no, let's let's uh, smooth this out a bit, take out some some things here and there, make it more elegant. And I guess production doesn't have that. Like, they can't ask a single person, like, hey, is this going to make for a good game? Because I just feel the bones of something good are there. And I would generally agree that, yes, Survivor can lean into more um, radical uh, twists and stuff. But they just sort of went full bore with this. And, yeah, it didn't work for me. I feel like there's a lot of things I can point out and say, this is not good. This is not elegant. This is not the way you should have done it. So Yeah, no... Totally agree there. I think that, honestly, I think throwing this kind of stuff that limits options and maybe maybe narrows things every now and then c- c- could be fun. That said, agreed. I think the execution here was kind of subpar. Um, like, why are there two people trying the gray rock? Like, I feel like that whole part wasn't good. And then I honestly think the, uh, hourglass situation, kind of like a scourge, honestly. Like, I thought it was quite (laughs) abhorrent. Like, it was pretty terrible. Um, and like, an uninteresting cliffhanger at that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I think yeah, this has definitely been talked about. If you're if you're looking at Survivor coverage online, you you know what's I'm going to say, but it's like the whole hourglass twist part of it is sort of this gimme, like the way Jeff phrases it to Erica, where it's like, you are you going to make history by changing history or do nothing? Um, just the re- rhetoric of it was very like, oh, this is, and of course, Erica is going to want immunity after being gone for two days. So she's going to choose it. So then if it's this choice that's not really a choice, you're basically, in that previous challenge, you've lied to the cast and said, oh, this is for immunity and you definitely want to win it. When in fact you absolutely didn't want to win it. You <laughs> thrown it. Yeah, you wanted to be the yellow team even though they gave the greatest instance of team effort in the history of Survivor. Which, right. com- very commendable. I mean, there's 40 <laughs> seasons of various amounts of team effort to draw from and this was number one. And so yeah, I think It's just a level of like, ah, gotcha, we don't really see in Survivor. Like, Big Brother is supposed to be the place where expect the unexpected. It's not really, but that doesn't make Survivor the place where you should shove all those things to. I think Survivor is made better by the fact that it's relatively consistent. I mean, we've talked about, like, when twists come up and nobody knew they could have existed, and so there's no way they could have prepared for them. I think this semi-knowledge of what is possible in Survivor is really important to the game itself. Definitely. And I think that's the thing is, I mean, Survivor ultimately works because it's a it's a series of choices that the audience can suspend their disbelief that for the most part, they're being able to be made organically, right? Uh, no, I don't think many people watch the show every week who are like, this is a rigged, scripted nonsense show. And this moment here, to me, while not outright, like, I wouldn't say this is, like, rigory or anything like that, but it's a canned moment that they know 99 out of 100 times where it's going, and so it's inauthentic. It, like, they may have, may like, they honestly might as well have just had it be the losing tribe wins the challenge. Like, I, the rest, like, <laughs> the rest of it's theatrics. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm honestly, after all the talk and discussion I've seen, I'm honestly just waiting for Erica to be like, you know what? I'm not going to use it. And yeah, then that'd be hilarious. The yeah. internet would just explode because yeah, <laughs> what what has happened? It would be great. And yeah, like I mean, it's been talked to to death. I just think like. I hope they do this less, this kind of stuff. To me, one simple solution, like I, I think there's a lot of refinement you can do, but if someone's really sold on this idea, a simple change I think is that Erica's immune either way. Like mm-hmm. then it's not her picking to be safe or not. And then all this other stuff too. It's like, okay, she's immune no matter what. And now she decides whether to give the losing tribe or the winning tribe. Um, that's actually a choice and people would blame her for picking it differently. Maybe no one in the entire game is going to be like, how dare you get immunity for yourself? Like, that's just not an interest. Like, like no one's going to hold that against her. Cause that's the obvious thing to do. Right. Yeah. I think it was just so easy to make this better. And yet it's this, it's just another thing that like leaves me questioning. Like, what is the, like, I, I, do they sit around a table and then they're like, okay, let's map out the season beginning to end. And like, they just come up with twists and then no one speaks up and is like, let's edit. We need to edit our like actual production and design of the game not who cares about the edit of the show that's later like edit what we're going to do this season before the cameras even hit the beach no i I think that's a really great take like it's just they just i think it to me it may maybe it's a work from home thing maybe it's you know uh there's one department that focuses on twists and then there's one department that focuses on advantages and they just never talked ever and then so you have these two things that don't match at all with the the hourglass advantage versus the um six and six thing and they don't really intertwine that well um i think is 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 an issue but yeah like i didn't love it there's a lot of things with the production of this season that i don't love but that said whatever it was still a fun episode um and we'll probably mention the the lack of game integrity a bunch as we go through one thing that i thought was interesting on that front we kind of made fun of jeff earlier in the season talking directly at the camera i thought it was kind of interesting that he got in front of this twist right like Mm. you can tell that there's probably some fear that people uh would be mad and think this was inserted maliciously uh or trickily um and so they have jeff explain and you see the castaways walking in behind him like hey this is what's gonna happen uh very i I thought it was pretty interesting that they chose to get in front of this one because that's not something like we didn't see that with ben uh in the fire making in uh 35 we didn't see that and a couple of these other dubious moments um so maybe this is them learning a lesson that they can't just kind of throw these things in there and and maybe maybe it's a um admission that they've lost a little bit of audience faith i think it was also a moment where they took well yeah i guess i'm building on that they took what was going to happen and had just jeff say it which made it very clear and he was directly speaking to the audience as opposed to when you think about having contestants in the midst of finding their advantages have to then explain them like it's not there's not that rehearsal and um like elegance to what they're saying i think here made it very clear what was going to happen and so as it unfolded i could be like okay this is what's going to happen i get it and so i don't know maybe that is a little bit playing down to their audience but i know for me it helped like I said expectations we'd... that there would not be a tribal council yes that was also yeah. very nice no because oftentimes when these things happen then like 
honestly, just as like the production TV nerd in me, my brain starts ticking like, oh, like, oh, it's uh, 945 and there's, or, you know, there's no tribal. Like, what's going on? Definitely. Like, medevac like what's going on like i didn't have to worry about that this mm-hmm, time for sure so that's good um and then yeah I, I mean i actually kind of appreciated this one i think in terms of jeff talking directly at the camera this is the best usage of it like let me ease my nerves that they're not just adding this stuff for no reason um, yeah, better better than whatever happened i think in like episode three when he's like at tribal council and he's like yes. it's this versus this what will people choose uh what was it it was challenge strength versus loyalty or oh, something yeah. and so that's an episode um, two with tiffany versus roche yeah the most oh that was cringy <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think this episode also on the editing front, I think had some pretty interesting moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these, I think, was kind of a kind of an awesome, really cool moment where uh, when they're digging for those giant balls, uh, the digging montage is actually in sync with the music in like a really hmm. captivating and interesting way. Um, I was going to screen grab it, but I didn't. Um, so I would just say... You know, if you're looking for something cool, go back and watch that part. That probably took a decent chunk of time editing, and it's I thought it was pretty beautiful. It cuts to each tribe, like one swoop of the dig, and then it's, it's it's a pretty dang good um sequence there that I highly recommend going back and checking out. Mm-hmm. And then you can listen to the the crunchiness of like these balls, these earth-like globes, as Jeff calls them, as they roll across the field. It's I mean I have never been in the presence of an Earth-like globe, so I didn't know if it was real or not. But we talked about it pre-recording, and it does seem to be added in, but it's this very, like, Earth-shaking, like, rolling across the Earth. Sorry, Earth-like globe-shaking? Yes. Um, And it's just... I didn't notice it the first time, but I think I had headphones in when I was rewatching, and I was like, "Oh gosh, this is this is really doctored up to, I guess, impress upon us the magnitude of these of these balls, which do look very intimidating." Yeah, like, uh, when they're in the pit and like pushing them out, like horrifying. <laughs> okay, so when I was watching this, do you remember a couple weeks ago that turtle scene with the turtle not like being able to get out of the hole? Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that ball was gonna roll on someone's head or something, and that'd be like <laughs> foreshadowing. You know what I mean? I guess the turtle did get out of the hole, so maybe it was. But I don't know. I thought there'd be something kind of interesting here. Also, in general, like, this challenge was just, like, there must be, I think, with when we saw that throwing challenge, and a couple times throughout the season, we've seen, I think, a little bit more care on trying to get stories in these challenges, which I do appreciate. This one was a little over the top, um, again, with the greatest instance of team effort in the history of Survivor. <laughs> um, a little preposterous there, Jeff, but also, like... The um, extreme close-up on Liana just doing the same thing that everybody else did. Like, every single player climbed the wall. Why did Liana get this, like, empowered slow-mo of it? Every other player did the same thing. I think it was her, like, the, like, shot of her saying, like, I can't. And then she does it. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know, that's weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, pick, you make up a... your mind, Liana. Either you can or you can't. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was it was a little strange. Like... Um, Jeff was, Jeff is like really into that, the yellow color, you know, like, um, move out, like maybe the complex tribe is that random group of yellow people. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, 
I I might be living on that sort of idea in my reads going forward because Whoa. I don't know. This is digging a little past general thoughts, but like the greatest instance of team effort in the history of Survivor is such a thing to say for what we saw. Like it was, it was like the other tribe did the same thing <laughs> seconds, seconds before. It was impressive, but yeah, it was not one of a kind. So there is this weird focus on just this group of this yellow team. And and yeah, it's sort of driving my like, okay, why why do we pay so much attention to them? And is it because like the script is about to be flipped and they're the safe ones? So we don't want to be like, oh, this team was really bad and the challenge, but hey, look, now that's my good. read. Yeah. Is yeah. That- yeah, you you want them to feel like they got robbed or whatever. <laughs> that is a pyrrhic or uh, like you know like a victory where like they lost but they really won because they tried so hard. So that mm. that's my read on it. So that when it gets flipped, the reaction isn't this is bullshit. It's yeah, yeah. No underdog. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, very interesting. And I mean, it has some contenders on that tribe on that team too. So right. I'm not like oh mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not a radical departure there. Um, but yeah, overall, like, I actually really did enjoy this. I think we got to get some pretty in-depth views of, like, what these people... Like, honestly, um, I don't know how many of our viewers, uh, listeners, I suppose, uh, people who have our voices in their ear holes right now, uh, watch, like, That's So Raven as a kid. (laughs) But let me tell you, Joe, this episode had me, like, daring into into the abyss, and, like, I think... This episode, like, unlocked, I think, where I think the season's going. Like, I am, like, I feel like I I got it. Like, I feel like all the threads tied together in a bow this week. And I'm like, oh, that's what they're doing. I get you. I'm on board. Survivor 41, no theme. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know. I, I'm jazzed to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a bit of a weird weekend with Halloween. So we're recording this very, very early. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something I almost would have watched a third time because for me, it's sort of like, eh, I don't get it. And I think looking at where we've been in the past on contenders and where we are now, maybe that's something that like, I'm not seeing it clearly. And you are like, maybe there's something to that. Like I need to shift my thinking because if me being radically wrong like (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like i'm gonna go out on a limb here this week and you know sometimes when you take a risk um you fall on your face you know and i could be the blue uh random assortment of people here or i could be heather trying to (laughs) curl up the wall And one of the funnier challenge performances of all time. Well, I love discussing the strategy in the game, but the most important thing is when someone is vulnerable with their contender picks and lets lets us watch. Yeah, no, for (laughs) real. Um, And yeah, I guess on that note, like I am just to color where we're going to be going and I'm going to make a big pitch later. Uh, I am all in on the ideas I said last week and the week before that of our like come from behind scrappy dog maybe bitter jury winner like i'm all in on that idea and i'm excited to uh walk through that um i'm trying to think of anything else that interesting just on the top like um i i mean i think it was cool getting to see um 
some of like some of the relationships form from that summit island like in general i think i'm actually pro get those people to talk to each other pre pre pre-swap um and i guess we should mention kind of a an edict of our show every season that we've done is the most important episodes being the premiere, the swap, and the merge episode. I guess this is a merge, eh, Jester Wildly episode, but without a swap, I mean, this episode, I guess, basically is the de facto version of the swap episode of, like, you know, where you're looking for new beginnings and uh, new plot threads forming and old ones dying. And I think that this one really satisfied the uh, same appetite that you're looking for with with one of those swap episodes uh, where you get a lot of recontextualization about where things are going to end up. Yeah, I think an interesting thing, though, is you can say, yeah, this is a merge episode or is the next episode the merge episode? So I definitely want to see both of those in place because I think some people were quick to say, oh, this person didn't have a good merge episode, therefore. And I think maybe some of those pieces could fall into place in the next episode, which is, I mean, where they're going to dedicate more attention to like the actual politics of the boot and what's going to happen. So not for nothing there, Joe. I mean, Jeff Probst himself on the beach there says this is a two part episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. I think that my guess is they likely would have wanted this to be a two-hour episode. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, they, you know, producers of TV shows don't get to choose how their their art art is uh, put out there, right? Some It's more of a someone in a suit doing that. Yeah. Um, and my guess is that they would have chosen this to be a two-hour episode. It should have been. Um, I'm not, I feel like they're, they're getting a lot of hate for something that they obviously wanted and didn't sure. get. So like, I'm not going to toss that that their way. Uh, Cause I know that's, that's difficult. They don't, they don't have choice of how that's dis- distributed. Uh, but uh, not for nothing. I think if this was a two hour episode, um, we're probably going to get a whole lot of other people in that second half. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just had too much tough as nails and CSI Vegas to air. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think tough as nails is like the only, uh, reality show lead in that they've, Done and like, do you remember TKO? Oh, I remember the name, but I can't remember what it was about. It was Kevin, it was Kevin Hart, like, spl- like throwing water bottles at people or water balloons at people or something. Uh, there's the rock show, like, they've tried a number of these things right after Survivor, and they all seem to crash and burn within one season's season, except for Tough as Nails. Which, I mean, it's, it's as a TV show, it's uh, resiliency is, is tough as nails. Yeah, it's on its third season. It's been renewed for a fourth. Like, good for tough as nails. Yeah, we're never getting another two-hour episode of Survivor ever, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> the finale is going to be a one-hour six boot. Uh, but yeah, uh, any other any other general thoughts on this episode, Joe? I, I don't think so. I mean, there's interesting, like, character beats to talk about. Like, there's the whole beginning Ua scene to go over, but we'll get to that. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, let's just say hashtag pray for Ricard. I do not <laughs> want Ricard to go anywhere. I think this episode made me a Ricard stan. I guess I kind of was last week, too. But I'm all in. Love the guy. Um, cool, cool, cool. So that brings us here to our themes and story section. And uh, yeah, so basically now we're going to talk about where we think the season's going uh, and what the stories are really saying. One thing I wanted to flag off the top is this really weird scene, and I wasn't sure whether to mention it in general thoughts or here, where they have clearly dubbed in Jeff Probst talking 
in like a really scripted and full of gravitas line. So this is, um, if you're going to rewatch, go back to, it's when he's introducing the twist. Like, it's right after, is it a merge? Eh, that moment. He says, um, something along the lines of like, all right, everybody's going to pull in a, grab a rock out of this bag. And you hear him talking on the beach. And then it so obviously switches microphones in a way that it's like so clearly in a studio and he's right next to a microphone. Like the microphone is in his face and he says, a survivor's player's journey often comes down to a single moment. And sometimes that moment comes down to luck of the draw. And I could not help but get my, uh, like, like a light bulb flashed above my head and said, that matters right there. That matters a lot. Um, cause that's a, a line that they've, that's not an off the cuff thing you say. It's very deliberate in its wording. Yeah. Because I think survivor for the most part does a really good job of like saying all they need to say or doing well with what was said in the moment. Like they don't dub a lot. I mean, they Frankenstein together player sentences, but like in terms of this, like they have no reason to add just saying something here. Um, it makes me think of in the early seasons of Project Runway, like Heidi Klum would have her like, oh, this person will be eliminated. Like that part dubbed in. And it's just clearly like they didn't think to record it during the part of the episode where it's needed. And I think that just shows how important they thought this line was. Like, yeah. you don't bring in stuff that obviously, like, attuned ears are going to catch immediately. And I think some other people are going to be like, that doesn't sound natural. I think when you bring stuff like that in, you're doing it because it's very, very important to the season. So I think it's yeah. definitely something to catch and to make a big note of. Right. Like, you watch any of Jeff Pro, like... Or even just hear contestants talk about Jeff Probst or even what he prides himself in doing. And what you always hear is he's like Mr. One Take. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't... Like, Survivor's not a show where he's doing... Saying things more than once or taking multiple takes and angles. Like, he is very prideful and everybody is very um, impressed always that that's, like, something he does. He does things in one take and that's what makes the show, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that clearly whatever he said on the beach wasn't satisfactory enough because he's going on a rant, you can tell, about luck and luck of the draw and that sort of thing on the beach. So wh why wasn't it satisfactory? Um, like, why wasn't that good enough when everything else he ever says is good enough? When mm. Earth-like globe is good enough or um, <laughs> the greatest instance of team effort in the history of Survivor is good enough? Those are things he said right there on the beach. He didn't say this on the beach. Why is that different? It's something to pay attention to. Um, and I would say uh, could be a few things. To me, it immediately made me think Erica is more of an important character in this season than we've been letting on. That said, or it could be, hey, look, uh, these divisions really spark a big change in the season. I don't know where that goes. It could be maybe it's really positive for Nasir. But there's something about this division. Um, obviously, we're seeing this division is going to matter big time with the winning group getting it ripped away. Maybe mm. that's the story of how someone's game gets flipped, turned upside down. But something major, like, 
I think that the a major change to the narrative structure of this game is coming from this exact draw luck situation. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's something negative for Nasir because, oh, Nasir's in this really good spot, but oops, it got flipped and now now he's the first merge boot. And we're all very, very sad. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I think whatever the case, it's just emphasizing the moment that like, hey, maybe everything in Survivor isn't just pure strategy. Maybe you go out because just something bad happens to you or you don't win. So I don't know that this or you year, win the challenge and then a twist <laughs> happens that makes the win a loss. I mean, this here still is really sort of driving a wedge into the way I've been seeing this season. Like, I can very much see how this is sort of like the key to your lock for the season. But right now I'm trying like, okay, how does this con- congrue with my my read of the season? And maybe I need to change my read of the season as just the final conclusion we come to. But I don't know. Very, definitely yeah. something to watch. Yeah, I really, I really think that no matter where this goes, and I really don't know because, again, like, is this really good? Is Erica going to be like a phoenix rising from the ashes i don't really think i see that because i think no matter what she gets kind of shown a very positive light here um like again it's necessary content but at the same time a survivor's player journey often uh like uh starts at you know like there's so much here about starting and re like the journey re-beginning and there's something here somebody's major plot point and the issue is that we're gonna find out what that looks like next episode like my guess is next episode is gonna be the second half of the sentence basically right like okay so whose journey is it what's it coming down to tell mm-hmm. tell me that fact i think that's gonna be the the driving the rising conflict of next week um and we just are missing that information right now but i i really think this is going to be the key moment of the season probably yeah i think it's about telling us who drew the wrong rock like was it a yellow rock was it a blue rock was it a gray rock like we'll find out next time (laughs) yeah and yeah like i yeah 100 i think we've dissected that well um and hopefully that's a good amount of analysis there if anything else pops up i'm sure we can jump back to it but yeah i think Mm -hmm. somebody's story is radically changing here and you're right it could be nasir it could be erica it could be literally anybody but and right it could also be negative it could be i don't know um could be a lot so we'll get there and i guess speaking of that it's something that kind of ties into it all season we've been saying this is a story about risk um one thing that we were flagging kind of early on is risk relating to probability and how those are the same concept luck is also a way to say that right um so those those are very intertwined yeah definitely i think this ties into that 100% where yeah you can consider hard choices and stuff but sometimes there's just going to be things that are just probability based and sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not and you couldn't have done anything yourself differently that was just the way the game went yeah no for sure um and I think elsewhere I mean we got so much here about how like especially Liana I feel like at this point it's so clear to me that her primary story here is about being a risk taker um and I I think we're going to see this a lot like um Shan makes a bad risk by going up to Liana and Tiffany and just saying like oh what's the your advantage say um and it's I think we're really seeing the story of Again, all these sides of what risks actually cause, because we saw 
that this risk of holding on to that truth uh, to herself with Liana pay off and Tiffany not trusting her anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's all sorts of these little things dotted around, like the way Shannon Ricard treated each other, sort of just mm-hmm. pulled them apart from one another, and now they're headed in very different directions. Just the season's very concerned with like showing us what happened and then what happened because of that choice later on. Yeah, which I really appreciate. Like, I hope that is actually something that kind of sticks. Um, I think this is actually the first episode where they don't actually explicitly say the word risk in a confessional, um, which, I mean, I kind of interesting that way. Um, but this week was especially focused on this kind of subpart we've said of danger and the whole idea of this survivor's never been so survivor. Like, I actually thought these were actually pretty gripping scenes with, like, Evie talking about how uh they've actually had zero calories like i know that no food and zero calories technically mean the same thing but for me it actually kind of informed my like empathy with them a lot more actually Mm -hmm. because like because you know like you'll talk to somebody they'll be like oh i haven't had any food all day except for breakfast and second (laughs) breakfast and lunch and like that's been so hyperbolied out of any sort of reasonable discourse that zero calories actually does i'm like oh my god they've actually ate nothing Mm. and i think the important thing here is that it's very very much the impression that they want to give because other seasons have been like this like i think sophie tweeted after last night's episode that 23 was the same way they didn't have rice and so it's they want to embody this season as the hardest it's ever been Mm -hmm. even when that's not maybe the case i mean it's only been okay i as a well-fed person all my life it's only been 12 days come on get it together no i mean the other the other point was that those seasons are 39 days and all that and it's not like I'm shaming these contestants for being this way. I'm just saying other seasons have been like this. And yet this, like they're saying, Survivor has never been so Survivor, apparently. It's so hard. Or they want to show the audience that it's so incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. this season. Like that is an important tenet of the game. And therefore, I think it's very important to whomever is winning. And that said, I do think it's important to note that this has also been intertwined with the idea of challenges right like Mm -hmm. um i think that there's been more discussion on whether to throw how hard you should try like again we're talking about all this focus of editing in these challenges like there is so much focus on physicality as a concept both in food calories challenges challenge performance voce and uh Abraham early on say, well, if you don't go to, um, uh, if you don't lose challenges, you don't have to vote people out. And I think we're seeing people like Shan actually get punished because she doesn't have a whole lot of options. She has two connections. She has Liana, she has Ricard, and that's it. And that's all she can rely on at this stage of the game because she lost too many challenges. There's just not much uh, maneuverability in the merge. And I think that in a lot of ways, this season is kind of reckoning with the idea that's been there forever of the benefit of like the intentional Matt Singh. Um, I think this season is really kind of fighting against those ideas and saying, Mm -hmm. actually, it is beneficial to win. Yeah. First off, I want to say it's very funny that Voce and Abraham were like, if you guys can't win challenges, 
like it's gonna be a problem for you down the road and then once those two are voted out like they never lose another challenge yes that's, that's hilarious um but yeah i think an interesting thing about shannon ricard being the last people on ua is it's like another perspective on what happens when a tribe gets down to two people i read mm-hmm. a thread that was like oh stephanie and bobby john had a very interesting relationship where they just sort of were there and didn't like get there like together to the end um you've got denise and malcolm who are very close and then you have Shannon Ricard who have this insane scene where they're just like arguing yeah. <laughs> to each other even though they're the only two people in the tribe like it's very no, they, they were getting off like gr- like when you go to a restaurant and like there's like you're like you you're like oh that sweet old married couple ah and then like you like listen to their conversation for a second and they're like Henry you 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 bastard you gotta order your food faster like and they just like they're miserable and hate each other like mm-hmm. that's the like they resent each other because yeah. they've spent been on this journey together that maybe was uh, had these awesome moments and uh great times but the current moment is they they resent each other uh that's what it gave definitely <laughs> yeah it's interesting um, that it's definitely different than we've seen other tribes that get down the small i mean we've talked about how there's a tribe of two here and yet we're being told that the tribe before who started winning challenges is the underdogs yeah and i think it's very interesting that uh like i think the common survivor opinion for a long time was like and obviously we've seen like as weird as it is, so we see Luvu, they never lose, and so their lines have never been tested, and so they just implode on each other. We see Ua lose too many challenges, and so they hate each other. And then Yasa's like, we lost the just right amount of challenges. <laughs> they really Goldilocks it. Yeah, they're like, and they're literally the yellow tribe too. So it's like, there's something weird going on there. And I think as like survivor analysts and like, thinkers i think this season probably shows a more realistic view maybe of what will often happen with the intentional or non-intentional matt saying right like i I think that malcolm and denise were quite lucky that they were inseparable duo that uh were underestimated and put on different tribes and like there's a lot of systems that happened Mm -hmm. that made it conducive to work out um whereas often oftentimes you're gonna get this and if they don't actually trust each other anymore because they had to draw blood right like they had to uh they have they're scarred uh verse and then there's obviously unscarred and too fragile and implodes and maybe maybe what survivors trying to say is you want to lose a couple challenges (laughs) um which i actually think is a more nuanced view you want to lose challenges uh where losing a person all it does is foster a good group dynamic but every tribe has a ticking point where if you lose past there somebody's gonna be unhappy and i think well lost beyond that point yeah it is very a very interesting season in terms of that because you also see like luvu talk about like oh we haven't played the game we don't have any like hard relationships or we don't have any alliances because we don't know who would have stuck to what and like Ua is also like, these other tribes haven't been battle-tested like we are, but they were too battle-tested. They yeah. were shell-shocked. Yeah, they're shell-shocked. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's interesting. And, yep. you know, kind of another point that's sticking in my head right now, like, why why does it seem like Yasa is this just-right blend of things that has happened? So. Yep. No, for sure, for sure. Um, Obviously, a part of this we talked about being hard choices. 
they're presenting this Erica go back in time thing like it's the hardest choice in the entire world. <laughs> That's part of the theme, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's about all. I don't think it's really that hard of a choice, but yeah. So let's jump here to our other theme, which was everywhere in this episode, uh, was what Survivor means to people. And I almost want to refine this a little bit to like, obviously we have this who you want to be and who you actually are. Uh, that was huge with Erica, right? She's talking about, um, and I have another note on this confessional later, but like she's a, she's a lamb or she looks like a lamb or whatever, but she's actually a lion. Um, she's going to come back and do all that good stuff. Um, we get that. Uh, we get quite a bit, I think with, um, even Tiffany, like it's like, she the 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 constant oxymoron that is tiffany's existence right like she's so likable and funny but also is too intimidating uh liana says Mm -hmm. yeah that was a very interesting confessional where liana just in her thought process goes back and forth on what tiffany is and i think to include that is a very interesting choice and speaks well to how we want to think of tiffany i mean i'm not ready to jump all aboard that train yet but I think it's very interesting that they're not like once again totally throwing Tiffany under the bus. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a nuanced view on her, right? And I think that that's that's definitely a huge thing. Um, we mentioned that, uh, and you made a joke about this earlier. Uh, the Jeff Probst line last week. I feel like this this season has been a lot of dissecting Jeff Probst himself, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, and we've had that in the past a little bit. Like, I think you always have to pay attention to what he says because he obviously talks a ton to the contestants. Um, and so what they choose to include is important. But, like, the idea of how he loves the strategy in the game, but the most important thing is when someone is vulnerable and let- lets us watch. Obviously, we got to see this big time with so many people this this week with their food situation, with Heather struggling up the beam and all that sort of thing. But also, I mean, with Erica... Uh, I thought she had a pretty poetic line where she says, uh, me being here and giving it my all is a love letter to the sacrifices my parents made, uh, and showed them that uh, they did the right things or, uh, something along those lines. I thought that was a beautiful sentiment, um, and definitely I think embodies the idea of being vulnerable and letting us watch. Yeah, that is... A vital theme to this and i think the longer people go without those sort of scenes where they don't break down which we've seen actually in a lot of people it's not very many people left at this point but yeah that's very important i think to whomever wins is that they showed a vulnerable side of them and talked yeah. about how it impacted their game yeah and i absolutely like i mean i think deshaun and liana got that as well like i mean i think especially liana uh gets this amazing confessional where she talks about being the only person who looks like her in a lot of her classes and just having that immediate bond with somebody that's difficult to even describe i think that totally counts like you see this a lot here, um, and like Shan messes up by talking to Tiffany, but it seems like that doesn't hurt Liana's view of Shan. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're still in lockstep despite that. That alliance actually forms after. Um, I thought I thought it was, I thought it was pretty awesome myself. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, now we're gonna jump here to sacrifices that need to be made. There is such a huge focus, Joe, on not giving up. Like, I think that is everywhere. The idea of, you know, nothing's ever easy. Like, it's not supposed to be easy. Nothing good ever is. How you have to just keep going. I really think that they're trying to hustle in this discipline sort of idea. Again, I think 
all three of these themes to me are saying, hey, it doesn't matter how skilled you are, it matters that you didn't give up is how I'm reading it. Um, to me, these are coded language. Uh, same with, it doesn't matter about the strategy in the game, it matters how vulnerable you are. And uh, it's about not giving up. To me, that says, be yourself, be nice, and you're going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I forgot to mention it earlier when we were talking about the danger and risk thing, because that's sort of our idea of, it's not supposed to be easy, nothing good ever is. But that was really present here when there are so many people who are just skeptical of the merge tree mail. Like, they've been attuned to think that nothing here is easy. So it's definitely something they're just reinforcing and hitting on the head. And then, of course, it's not giving up, too. Um, when it's the greatest instance of team effort in the history of Survivor, that's all about not giving up. Um, yeah, Even after you get the immunity results. Yeah. Even after you lose, you shouldn't give up. <laughs> Is literally, is like, I actually think, like, I'm being a little facetious, but I actually think is what it's saying. Like, hey, you lost the challenge, and, uh, like, you know, the, the storm's coming, and you can feel your torch getting snuffed. Don't worry, there's still hope, because maybe time gets turned back. I think yeah. it's a little corny, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting that way um as what they're doing uh yeah like there's just all like all this talk of uh and yeah no it's very interesting that way and um obviously we're getting so much about hunger and that sort of thing i mean i to me i'd be like well (laughs) in this way i think you'd, you'd think it would also uh commend being good at thing you know what i mean like but it's not like the the blue tribe that's naturally skilled at challenges is getting mm-hmm. raked over the coals for their natural talent, basically, is I think what they're saying. And they're saying the themes are more or less saying that your natural talent doesn't matter. Your mindset does. Right. Which... Yeah, there's very there's very little sense that Lubu's skills, which they do have, it's not being framed in this light of like, oh, they, they're not giving up. Like Heather is framed that way, but Heather is also sat out of every immunity challenge except one. So yeah, there's a clear separation to the point of like, oh, they're the tribe that's considering throwing the challenge. Which is kind of funny. Like I, I do love an ironic theme of them wanting to lose so bad and they can't. Um, and yeah, I actually think that I, I think I'll flag this here. I think there's gonna be like, I mean, obviously, I think it's very clear that the Luvu story was they should have lost and gotten rid of Erica because she's going to be their undoing or some of their undoings, right? Like, she's gonna mm-hmm. flip these results, so Luvu's gonna go home. I don't know which one it's gonna be. Um, but that seems extremely reasonable, and I feel like it's gonna be the story of why they should have thrown, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, they could have killed her when they had the chance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I actually think that's just good survivor play in general. Once somebody knows they're on the bottom, you have, like, you you lose the challenge and get rid of them. Like, they, they, they provide no value, they only hurt you, they, get, they have information on your dynamics that you can't keep under wraps. Like, I think on a sh- strategy focus, like, on the beach... The minute somebody knows they're in danger, I think you you ought to throw, is my general philosophy. Well, I think the idea is that then, oh, what if you lose another challenge after that, though? Then you have to get rid of someone yeah. else you might not have. So. Yeah. Yeah, optimal play would be your votes are only people who know they're on the bottom, and you maintain all people who think they're on the top. That would be optimal boot order mm-hmm. yeah cool 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 um let's jump here to the idea of like I, we have it flagged here as like 
Uh, early on, we have Evie saying that women don't get credit at the end. I think we could probably reform this to, like, there's a social um, issue story going on here, right? Uh, very similar, like Deshaun says, he likes being able to kind of navigate with people who look like him, who are from a similar place as him, as well as um, his old Luvu group, and being able to kind of flip between the two. Uh, I think we have a lot here on how different demographics can uh, reflect things. Shan says that this is the most uh, like America uh, group they've ever had, which I thought was kind of funny because obviously Shan is Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I didn't but, think about that, but yeah. <laughs> like, she, she's the one who gets to say that line? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this, and I think it's it's in the background. Interestingly, I can see how the idea of, like, women not getting credit could come up against that alliance of Shan, Liana, Deshaun, and Danny, because I think there's a chance maybe they get close to the end and be like, oh, Danny and Deshaun are going to get all the credit for this when we've been the power players, and I could see it flipped that way. But yeah, there's interesting, like, how do how do demographics matter in a season, whether that's age? Like, we tagged age earlier. It yep. sort of fall into the background, but it's still something worth mentioning. But also, I actually like, think we need to bring it back, because... I- I, I mean, I think Tiffany's story especially is so tied into being a teacher who can discipline and people listen to her for that reason. Hmm. As like the elder states yeah. person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting way to bring it back. I was sort of thinking how it could how it could come back, but I like that read. Um, but yeah, I think just, I don't know if it's any more present than it is in other seasons where these things sort of come up and are right. just there because... Uh, good good or bad thing that's a quick way to differentiate people yeah and divide people so it's good it's good content right like it is it is it is powerful for sure um so yeah for sure for sure um yeah any other thoughts on that theme i don't think so gotcha so here i'm gonna kind of make my pitch here on my idea here of the past few weeks i think i've said a bad winner I think that's me being a little facetious. I think that if you win Survivor, you're probably pretty good at something. Um, I think maybe a lesser winner or an underdog winner, something like that. Uh, more diplomatic way to say it. Um, I think we're. I think there's something going on here. Like I think that this episode, in many ways, to me, played off as a handoff to the rest of the story. So, Liana is obviously uh, everywhere in this episode. Most of Shan's content is about Liana. Um, And I think you see Liana kind of take the alpha role in this relationship, despite the fact that Shan is obviously the alpha main character of this season. I think, in my view, we saw Shan pass that torch a little bit in this episode to Liana, and now Liana is the, the figurehead here. I think we also saw development of, in my opinion, what's going to be the main narrative of the season, actually, in Tiffany versus Liana as a battle. That's where I think this is going. I think, honestly, I think last week I was almost of the opinion that Shan can be a losing finalist. This week, honestly, Joe, I think Shan might not be long for this game. I think that (laughs) Shan is... I think we were right a couple... Like, three weeks ago, when we were comparing Evie to uh, Josh and uh, Shan to Jeremy, I'm 
like pretty darn locked in on that at this point. Like to me, so much of this episode doesn't function the way it does with this being a new start with this Jeff Probst line about a new beginning and a new journey, a a luck of a draw and Shan kind of taking a step back and talking about Liana. To me, there's so many things here. All the people who have been your main characters, Ellie, Shan, Ricard, take a massive step back to your Liana's, Tiffany's, uh, even like Xander got a pretty big shine here this week, mm-hmm. like, and Erica, like, I, those are the people who, and Deshaun, like, those are, I think, almost your main, char- and Nasir, like, that's your main crop of characters in this week, and I think that the merge reclarifies where dynamics are, and yeah, what, what are your thoughts on what I just said, Joe? <laughs> I've talked for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the hardest things for me after this episode is sort of, as someone who has been solidly on the, like, Shan top contender train, like, this episode unseats it in more ways than one. It's really easy to look at her argument with Ricard, which is a little less um, favorable to her than it than they have been in previous um, episodes when she sort of gets her paranoid edge. But also, yeah, she is not in either a power position or like a main character position throughout this episode. And so thinking about how this more and more actually does become a season that revolves around the Yasafor. You're right. I think one of the biggest things is that there's much more Xandor content than I would have imagined in a merge episode. For someone... I think we so solidly know is not a high winner contender. He's treated as a very important character to the arc. And I think that's even different from how we saw him as sort of circumstantial where Xander has advantages and that's when he gets content. Here it's very much Xander is a player amongst the rest and we are very interested in his perspective. I think, yeah, I'm sort of getting to a point where it feels like that winner is not Shan. Like, I don't know. I started this recording (laughs) i to let you uh, i have pretty much all but eliminated (laughs) shan completely Mm -hmm. uh this week to me gave me the moment where i do not think she is our winner um like to me avi and shan are sitting there as they're like i don't think liana and tiffany's stories exist in the way that they do if shan or evie is the winner I think that those two are too developed. The underdog is, like, normally when we're having these debates, like, it's this way distant character in the background. We're like, oh, well, they inherit that edit. Not, they're actually, like, they're the same level of visibility, more or less. They're just less, like, like just a little bit less captivating. But they're talking just as much. This week, Leon talked more. Like, that matters. Um, that's that's where I'm going, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I think this episode really makes me decrease Shan's chances. But then there's those all of these things that are like, oh, but what's this new alliance between Shan, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun? Like, what does that mean? And oh, isn't the merge all about making you doubt the winner, like that they could be the winner? So and like, what's Nasir doing here? There's just all these things that I'm just not ready to like let go. And mm-hmm. not just that. I guess the other side of it is like, hey, maybe they had these really interesting characters and an interesting alliance comes out of it. So they give time to all these people and and Shan just happens to be the winner still in the end. I think there's still that possibility, but 
But yeah, it's it's a very there's something else tugging at this season for me, and I can't figure it out. So, Joe, do you not? So, I guess my fundamental question leaving this episode: Did Shan not give a good confessional about forming the alliance with herself, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun? Was think- otherwise stellar confessionalist star of the season, Shan? That one confessional not good enough because I don't. I, that's what I, where I'm I'm lost is why did Liana get the confessional that summed up the power of that moment instead of Shan? I don't know. To me, she still felt incredibly present in that moment. Like I think if you give her that, is that too much overkill? Then is it like oh, and here's Shan's <laughs> alliance that gets her to the end. Ta da! The end. Don't watch episodes seven through fourteen. <laughs> oh, that that's totally fair. I think that's a. Good count. And it, it's the thing that makes me nervous. Like, could be wrong very easily. Like, this could be the coronation. And they could have just put her back in the background for one episode, and she'll be back front and center. And it's the story how she's the greatest ever. I just like the Ricard scene, I don't think looked good for Shan. I think, mm-hmm. uh, like, one thing that I think is interesting is we do get Shan is the person multiple times to say, like, oh, I hope Erica's doing well. Oh, what's Erica like? Like, multiple times we actually see Shan be the one who prompts that. That's interesting. They're showing that she's playing the game and wheeling and dealing. Um, but, yeah, like, to me, this is just a, an episode where it felt like she was passing the baton. It felt like her, like, the sunset's kind of there, and they appreciate her, and she's leaving soon is the vibe I got. Like, this gave me so much of... I remember in David vs. Goliath, that confessional where Christian is like, I'm a Goliath now. And from that point on, we were like, oh, Christian's story's over. Like, like it's like, yeah, he's going to get good content, but that's his story. He went from David to Goliath. It's over. He's not winning. Um, This episode gave me that same vibe. It gave me Ryan Alwick vibes. It gave me Missy and 39 vibes. It's just like Survivor has this common trend recently of this hyper visible pre-merge character who drops like a brick at the merge. And I really think that might be Shan. I don't know. I feel like she was still, like, the thing that I sort of compare is Shan versus Ricard. Like, if you think Shan had a bad episode, like... Oh, yeah, no. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, she definitely felt visible enough for me this episode. And I could see an interesting turn or something like it where it's like the five people who think they're safe start conspiring and they'll be like well if erica has an advantage who else should we go for and it's like shan and then like oh the script flips and shan was saved and i think there's some still interesting play there so right i'm not completely i'm not completely off the train yet but just a lot of things keep coming up where i'm like hmm yasa it's like yasa is blinking and i'm like why Yeah, to me, it's like Yasa is the main mm-hmm. thrust of this season. Whether they are... Like, honestly, Joe, I'm, like, almost at the point where I think it's a Yasa Final Four. Like, <laughs> like I could see that being a possibility. Um, That's how, like, I don't know. Just, that's where my alarm bells are ringing. Um, yeah. And like I said, I think that the main point for that is that I think they've set up the main drama of this season being Tiffany versus Liana. And I think that's actually the complex duo of the season. And Shan's not in it. And that's unfortunate for Shan. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you that she could go sooner than than we're thinking. I don't necessarily see it as like Shan and Evie are both like strong characters that go, but I definitely see Shan. Maybe right. Like- no, I I think that's fair. Like I I guess I'm saying San Juan del Sur where. Like, I guess to be clear, I'm not saying I think this is going to be a season where uh, Shan leaves next week and then Evie leaves the week after, mm-hmm. like, San Juan del Sur. I, I just, I, like, I can't think off the top of my head of another season where they develop two front runners and then the story is actually how people learn from those front runners and adapted. Yeah. Like, that's more what I'm going for. Um, and yeah, like to me, the, the central conflict of Tiffany versus Liana is you flash back to the premiere. Uh, Liana's one of her first moments is talking about Shan, very Dom and Wendell. Like it's very Dom and Wendell, except for that. We got every kind of jumping out. It's like, what if Dom and Wendell were on a tribe with somebody who was a enigma of a character that was so captivating that they got a lot of content. Like if you really match things out it's it's always been a story about liana and tiffany it's just every now and then evie jumps in and has the entire episode you know like yeah yeah so uh let's jump here to our castaways um and yeah let's 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 see what's going on here with this here merged tribe or sorry um group of individuals group of individuals half of whom have earned it but will be vulnerable and half of whom who have not earned it and will not be vol- and have made the merge. Hmm. Well, hmm. they earned it by losing. Great and Believing in themselves. <laughs> it honestly, Joe, it was very the real win is the friends we made along the way vibes. Like it was <laughs> <laughs> really that uh, that tinge, which. Mm-hmm. is obviously the the best way to tell a story but anyway on to danny who's still first alphabetically poor danny i mean like i like him a lot i guess i kind of understand why he's been invisible like it sucks that two weeks in a row his story seems to be like the women are taking over like that just sucks <laughs> to have to say like like that's your content and like yeah. one two three four five it's a five seven split (laughs) like it's not that much you know but like at the same time it's like it's it's one of those things where like like if you're i don't know on survivor one world and it's uh six six you're like huh maybe this is gonna start turning into um a woman domination like you want freedom to say that and like be apprehensive about maybe the game flipping against you but at the same time, it's like, that's going to make error and you're going to look like a dick. So, uh, <laughs> like a cost um, risk word analysis there of like vocalizing that concept. But I don't think that's what's happening here. So then he just looks kind of like a fool. Yeah, he's gone like full, like not really villain, but like just saying bad things. <laughs> like first he's like wanting to throw the challenge and then he's like all on board that. And then, yeah, he wants to get the women out. Like not good looks. It's like... I don't know, it's so weird because there's so much promise promise in Danny in that premiere episode. And I don't know if once he gets like entrenched in the game, he just kinda loses those abilities. It's kinda unfortunate. Yeah, like he like even just like 
Evie, are you voting out all the men? <laughs> was not smooth. Like, mm-hmm. was not the smooth operator I think I had the idea that he was. Like, it was very, yeah. it was very professional athlete playing Survivor. Um, and I <laughs> thought maybe he was a, a cut above that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that, like, one, he's so on board with this, like, um, you know, uh, alliance between him, Deshaun, Shan, and Liana. And then he's targeting Erica, who also gets content in this episode about feeling like they're the only person who looks that way and growing up and being the only person in their class who looks uh, like looks like them. But then she's excluded and targeted by this alliance by Danny. Mm-hmm. There, there's like weirdness going on there. Um, and not conducive to a winner story, right? Like yeah. they would have fleshed that nuance a little bit uh so you're not like wait a minute she's literally in this episode talking about that same idea uh and being targeted by the person talking about that yeah it's like a massive inconsistency just from like oh i don't know about throwing the challenge to being like we have to throw the challenge yeah and also i don't want to work with nasir anymore because he doesn't even though last week i did not Or like, yeah, like we need to target women, but oh, here's my alliance of equal men and women. And yeah, just mm, not a good look. Yeah, no, it's not great. Um, Joe, where do you think Danny is going to end up in this season? Hmm. I think he could leave this week. Mm. I think him leaving as like guy who got screwed by winning a challenge actually would be quite poetic and would make the content on both like would like if you if you start from the ending of him winning a challenge it gets reversed and it causes him to leave i think the story of him not wanting to throw to wanting to throw to like shifting is actually a, a, an interesting nuanced journey that starts at, at that end point other like right now i feel like we're looking at it and like this makes no sense but if you start from that end point of actually Winning a challenge made him vulnerable enough to lose. That's kind of an interesting meta discussion that maybe they're playing with with his story this season. Mm, I think that's almost, like, too cute, I think. Like, too perfectly, like... Probably. I, I think I know I think there's better targets or he wouldn't be the first targeted when when the script flips so I think he's I think he's probably good for like a few more episodes but yeah I don't see longevity so right yeah I mean I, I he's somebody I don't think I could see being a losing finalist like I think he is a solid jury member but yeah I mean I have uh, some empathy for just like not being able to lose like you are trying to do the right thing and you see it coming like the the rings on the wall and you're just not able to do it that said i mean honestly joe on first watch is like is this four person alliance the complex tribe i think i ended up walking away from that idea with tiffany's content later but like something like that could be possible um yeah i don't know uh i think he could be i think he could like maybe maybe be like a sixth place or something like that i think that would be a reasonable trajectory for danny Mm -hmm. yeah i've been thinking about that four person alliance and i'm just like it just i thought it seemed like oh why would this break apart but i'm almost thinking they just wanted to highlight it and then it doesn't actually lead to anything i think they have good intentions better intentions than like strike force or something but i think just the 
the way the game is going. Like, I'm thinking with, like, you have, like, Evie and Tiffany and Xander. I think they just want the game to head in a different direction, and so they lose some of their numbers early on. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, Yeah, any other thoughts on Danny? I do not think so. So let's jump to Deshaun, who, he had a weird episode for me. Um, At one point, he jumped quite a bit up my chart. Like, just because a lot of people, to me, fell out this week. And Deshaun was not one of them. Until I realized that Deshaun and Evie did not speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And like, then I'm like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, it's another gap. And I think I, I may not have considered that when thinking about Evie. But but yeah, there's just inconsistencies in Deshaun's edit. It's just not as strong as it should be. I think, I think when I consider him every week i think of these things and i'm like probably not the winner i do think he has more longevity than danny yes i think he's he's going deep yeah maybe finale ish if not just a little bit before but but yeah i think he has better better odds than danny yeah no i i actually think that deshaun's not going anywhere until him and evie have a captivating scene like i think they're and my guess is they're probably gonna flat like Here's my hot take with Deshaun. They're going to flash back to Evie and Deshaun talking on Summit Island or whatever they're calling it. Um, That's going to happen at some point later on. And he's going to be a driver of the strategic gameplay in the merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. And he's going to not quite make it. I feel like he's like an Ashley Nolan or Devin Pinto, something like that. Like, yeah, makes it deep, funny. credible threat. On paper, you can kind of see it. There's some edit manipulation because they want you to buy into him. But it's just not quite there. Like, there's just not quite enough attention there. Um, that said, I thought he was pretty captivating. And he's clearly a good player. Like, um, I'd be interested in seeing Deshaun 2.0. And I feel like he's a lot closer to what we thought preseason than we did a few weeks in. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's he's grown into himself as a character. I think they're doing good things with him. Like, the issue is he is a little surface level. Like, I feel like sometimes his, his conventionals do feel a little narratory and not, uh, like, he's actually a person in the game. But Yeah, it's just the way he feels, like, someone who doesn't matter to the story. And I think he could be really strong when he's in a season where, I mean, he does well, or he's a bigger character. But yeah, right now he's sort of just there, and we get good content, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I mean, he's only in it a little bit. What he got was good. I haven't eliminated Deshaun. I've eliminated quite a few people this week. Um, And the fact that I haven't eliminated Deshaun is, I think, okay. Uh, just he's he's pretty low. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Yep. I, and, uh, yeah, I, I actually buy over seventh place, I think. Like, I would be surprised if he left before that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, yeah, I think I, I think I put money on, like, a, a fifth, sixth, fourth in that range. I don't think I could see losing finalist. That, that would be weird to me. But, mm-hmm. so, like, a late game threat obstacle guy is where I'm leaning with Deshaun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, so far his, and it's so clear his story, like similar to what we were saying with Danny and poor Danny and Deshaun getting just like, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, like they're just like intertwined. Um, but like, I think it's so clear his story is going to be why he should have lost the challenge. Mm-hmm. Like Erica's going to die out. I think, um, maybe, maybe Danny and Deshaun out. 
is kind of where I'm almost heading. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, let's jump to Erica, who, I mean, I don't think it's a, a wild take to say she jumped the highest of everybody else on the cast from, I think I had her second last last week to fifth, maybe? Like, if I, like, I think if I really squinted, I think Erica would fit the mold of what I've been saying of your Natalie White style winner. Um, do I think it's that likely? No. I have her at 5%. <laughs> Um, which is non-zero, but, uh, a great, ep- like, f- honestly, phenomenal episode for Erica. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect episode, like, for Erica. Like, the problem is the episodes that came before it, and I just, I don't feel like the season is that different that it's going to jumpstart Erica's entire winter edit like with this like they couldn't have done much like more in those first five episodes to like make Erica make a little more sense like this is too shocking for me she jumped at my like list but only to like the top of people I've eliminated really yeah I think that's a fair fair read like to me it's weird because I actually had her eliminated it's very rare that I bring people from the dead. But she had this weird moment where she gets uneliminated and many of my, honestly, many, like Danny and Deshaun are, I mean, Deshaun's not quite, but pretty darn close. Danny's eliminated. Uh, Deshaun, linger in there. Erica was eliminated, no longer is. And that's a rare thing for me. The reason and the the conflicting thing here is we need next week. Like, if Erica is this Erica again, I will buy stock in Erica. If Erica again returns to being not important, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, next week is the fulcrum point in Erica's story because is it the story of how somebody was dead and that's why they didn't get any content? And that said, we did get content a lot of content about how she was screwed if the rest of this story is about how she rebuilds and it's the phoenix from the ashes style thing she never gives up even though she was dead for eight weeks or whatever um i could see it being a winner story and that's enough for me to not eliminate her uh a couple other things to flag here uh obviously erica was my preseason winner pick uh, I thought she would be an amazing character. I don't think I was right on that. Um, poor Erica, I think. The scene, and as I mentioned earlier, had some beautiful sentiments and did make me a little emotional. I think I see why she could have been, if she is our winner, why she would be invisible. The scene where she's talking about her her backstory, she honestly, Joe, I think says like about 50 times in 30 seconds. It's almost unwatchable. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, like, I would say borderline unwatchable. Like it, it, it takes you out of the powerful moment because she is saying the word like every couple seconds. It's and if that is what she's been giving this whole time, I could see them invisibling her because it, it did not play on TV. Like I was watching with a good group of casual Survivor fans, and a scene that should have been really emotional, they were laughing. Mm-hmm. It takes me back to when we got criticism for using like too much in our early seasons, and I I don't know if we've improved or anything. I I know I still say it from time to time, but it was a lot, and I could definitely see why 
they weren't giving her a ton of content early on if they're all loaded with that and still she's also very performative like i think of how that oh my god in her final confessional the episode rings out it Mm -hmm. it works really well but then also it's sort of this over-the-top cheesy like performance Um, so yeah I think I think to put it almost into sports playoff terms I don't think Erica controls her own destiny here I think Erica could have a string of really great episodes going forward and I still really wouldn't consider her for a winner contender unless people like Liana and others have really significant turns in their own content yes. that sort of show yep. why Erica could beat them. I think yeah. I think she she feels a little like a even later starting Dean to me is possible here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. No, and- Joe, I think you're hitting the nail on the head here. To me, what this episode does is Last week, I think I picked Erica to leave this week. I'm going to say Erica is a main character. Like, we will look back on this season, and Erica is going to be a important character, I think. Unless she vanishes next week. But I think no matter what... I'm going to take off the no matter what. Uh, I think very likely she is going to be a important character that we remember when we look back on this season. Maybe she makes the DVD cover. Whereas last week I thought she was just kind of going to be invincible until she leaves. Yeah. That said, um, I did like her story was powerful. The other thing is, okay, so she gets the episode title here, right? With the, I'm a, what is it? Ready to play like a lion. Mm-hmm. Is Erica self-aware that she's going to get invisible? Because that's the last episode where she got content. She said the same thing. And that kind of rehearsed line of, I look like a lamb, but I'm actually a lion being said multiple times. I think can only come from someone who is under the impression they will only be be getting two confessionals in a season. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's it's clearly a canned line and including it twice in your confessional delivery to me implies that you expect only one of the things you're saying to get shown Mm -hmm. like when she's saying it the second time she's aware the first one's not making the show (laughs) i was just thinking i guess it fits really neatly to have this invisible character have this sort of line that's saying oh i've not been present but now you better watch out when everyone thinks they're going to be like the main character especially if they think they're winning so it's weird for how well this fits i think erica really must have thought she was in a strange ineffectual place on luvu and wasn't doing great or or she did just want that to be her story i don't know it it's bizarre yeah no it, it was very weird um one thing that i did notice i mean if we're going to talk about past seasons last season we were banging the drum of how annoying tony's edit was where he kept talking about lions and hyenas on loop and we're talking about how they could have done better with freaking tony vlacos winning twice instead they show us him saying the same thing over and over again so it's clear to casuals what's going on erica giving the same confessional twice is a good sign for her long term as a character to speak and you're right uh, saying hey i was invisible now i'm not is good um not sure where it's going i still think there's a like the issue is that there's still a couple people that look a whole lot more like a winner to me than erica 
but she's in she's in the running, and it's going to lean heavily on next week, especially if next week was supposed to be a two hour. You know, if if next week was supposed to be a two hour, uh, like second hour to this episode, and Erica is still front and center when because the, the the knock for all of this is again, Erica could show up next week and not be there, <laughs> and if that's the case. Other than the making the choice. Because mm-hmm. this was all mandatory. Like, no matter what, Eric is getting this content this week. That said, I think it looks better than maybe just bog standard required content. But if it is just bog standard required content, like, she's super dead. <laughs> yep. She's a sleeping lion, not a, not, <laughs> not an awake growling lion. But I, I'm excited to see where she goes. I think she's in an interesting spot, too. Like... Uh, the paper. Oh, we should have mentioned with these other two, the paper, rock, scissors of it all, uh, getting corrected. Also, uh, Danny says he referenced or he he remembered paper, rock, scissors from a previous Survivor season. I I feel like I'm kind of a Survivor dork, and I don't remember. I have no idea what he was referencing. You don't remember all those seasons with paper, rock, scissors? No. <laughs> I'm I sure know. it exists, but like other, I don't know, maybe to make a decision here and there, but it's never been like a momentous decision. Momentous. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he says it like very, like he says seasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> like as if it's the, uh, a core tenet of Survivor. Oh, the first Redemption Island was just decided. All the duels were decided by games of rock, paper, scissors. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I heard, I heard in Australia, in Africa, they had to rock, paper, scissors, the lions. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but, uh, and for what it's worth, Survivor does love putting their winners in peril, you know, like saying, oh, Erica was so getting voted out and all that sort of thing. Um, could be good for her for sure. But my guess is actually, we're going to, I think if I had to put money on it, I think I'm going to pick Erica is a badass player that we'll forget was invisible in the first half. And make some big moves and beat Lulu's undoing. And that's 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 it. She she is an agent of revenge. A bit of a game changer's Andrea. Yeah, yeah, a game changer's Andrea or uh, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. I mean, Uma Thurman's the main character from the beginning, so. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I mean, yeah. I just mean, uh, you know, an actual like agent of chaos. I can't think of. A, there's not any movies where the main character shows up in the second half, Joe. Okay. Um, um Dev Patel and Lion robbed a oh best yeah. actor nominee. Okay, That's... we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump here. Uh to Evie. This was Joe. Evie is pretty darn close to last on my contenders list. Wow. Evie okay. is not like I am like the sky's blue. Uh, Dogecoin's going to the moon, and Evie is not the winner. Like those are things that I'm certain of in this world, Joe. I okay. Before we talked about Deshaun and Evie not having a moment, I was less on that train. Now I'm more like, okay, yeah, we should have seen something between them. But when I said earlier, I want to see the second half of this merge episode. My the Evie was sort of my main focus because yes, this was not the greatest merge episode for Evie. But I think they got enough here for like a second part where they're more strategically involved to sort of fill that space and make sense. So I think in that way, there was still room for them to be the winner. I think, like I've said in previous episodes, they've, they really fell off my radar after their first few episodes. And then they sort of had episodes that made good sense. 
And I'm not ready to give up on that yet. I think if next episode, they're still not in the front lines making big decisions, sure, scratch them. And now too, maybe because Evie and Deshaun did not have a moment. I think that's another big one. So yeah, Evie's the person who's right on the cusp of elimination, which right now, by the way, puts them in like fifth <laughs> because I've eliminated so many people. But but yeah, it's, it's not looking great, I should say. <laughs> so, okay, maybe I'll recon contextualize a little bit what I'm saying. So if Evie and Deshaun next week are wall-to-wall the only characters, maybe Evie can win. Because maybe it's a two-hour thing and the Evie-Deshaun relationship was more important after this event or whatever, but more than likely, I think I'm pretty out. Evie got some good content this week. Like, Evie was pretty captivating. It was the same old nonsense, Joe. It was... I've seen every Survivor season. Not eating rice is hard. Like, it was... Evie's getting content. Evie's getting all the content they can give to anybody. Because they really like Evie. Like, the editors, the narrative team, clearly love Evie. Clearly have good things and want them on the show uh but evie's just getting like what every single other person has a confessional about like eating not eating rice sucks uh the merge was gonna happen and it didn't (laughs) i've watched every survivor seat like it's just stuff that anybody could get there's no like what is Evie's story? It's, they like the show Survivor. That's it. Evie, we basically know the same thing about Evie and Heather. Heather's just talked once and Evie's talked a hundred times. But the same thing, basically, we know they like the show Survivor. That's fair. And you think about how they're the most, what's the word, peripheral part of the Yasa group now. Yeah. Like, Liana and Tiffany are right there in the center. Xander is a fixture, a fixed point for both of them. And then Evie just sort of drifts around the fourth wheel of Yasa. Um, yeah, lots of good points there. I Like I said, I bad next episode will eliminate them yep. i think a okay next episode won't skyrocket them to the top of my list but i would still keep an eye on them yeah i think that's the fundamental issue i'm having here right so part of me always views this under a lens of tv production and if Evie wins, i think Evie looks like shan and Evie does not look like shan right now mm. the other issue is like people like erica who are saying the word like every second word and a confessional are making air in a very powerful meaningful way evie is i think the second best confessionalist on this season i feel like it's the top three it's, it's easily uh evie tiffany and shan um it, it's not close and evie's by far the least visible of those three mm-hmm. that's not good uh ricard's probably that in that bucket too but still uh you know evie's just not given like her plot line doesn't exist it's they like survivor and they they have this relationship with sean actually you know what their their story is it's they, they share secrets they share other people's secrets um it is i think the pressing story with evie uh and that's not i think conducive to a winner at this point they need more i think why everybody knows about all the idols and advantages and everything is because evie has a good social game and is able to whisper in everybody's ear and that sort of thing but we're not seeing what i would expect from a winner would be how i've used sharing other people's secrets to benefit me we haven't got that Mm -hmm. and i know i was like well i don't see evie going out soon back to back 
with Shan, but it feels like Evie's part was really to be like, also, okay, I formed this nice group of girls with me and Liana and Tiffany, and then Not that's just each other. formed and formed and formed. But now it's more about what Liana and Tiffany are doing with that group and also outside of that group. And Evie's just, once again, sort of the, the fixture there. Um, so I could very much see Evie going soon, and then we're huh. even more left to what Liana and Tiffany do without Yeah, her. earlier I flagged the idea that I could see a final four of Yasa. I still think it could happen, uh, but I was being a little coy because I, I think Evie's gone soon. Like, mm-hmm. I think Evie will leave this game in the next couple episodes, and I think that she does have upside all the way until Evie could be a fire maker loser, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's super likely. I think it's significantly more likely that she leaves soon. I don't know. I almost think about Evie leaving next episode. <laughs> like, I honestly Evie- kind of forget is Evie in the group that's going to be safe or not. Evie is in the group that is currently safe, but. Okay, gotcha. Should Erica make the radical choice and smash that hourglass? You Evie don't think it'd be a Luvu? It definitely would be a Luvu. I feel like the smart choice, but... Why would you know. not take that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's, like, the objective good... But, I don't know, mm-hmm. people do weird things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not with you on next week. I think I'm with you on maybe the week after that or okay. something like that. And I don't know um, if I actually... No, I don't think I actually think Evie is going. It was just seeing one person from each of the other tribes on this group of currently safe people. It's like, oh, maybe maybe they could go. So we'll talk about that when Ricard comes up, too. <laughs> Take that back! <laughs> yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't have a whole lot in Evie. I think Evie has not a story, unfortunately, um, other than the telling people secrets. Hopefully that does change. I actually do really like Evie. Other than that episode two fiasco... Uh, big fan of Evie, so. Mm-hmm. And you can, the other thing is, like, Evie's just, like, effortless with confessionals. It's, it's mm-hmm. very captivating. It's very, no matter what they're saying, like I mentioned earlier, like, I think Evie made me believe how hard it is for them. It seems like maybe that wasn't the case for you. It didn't sell you as much as me. But I went from, like, ah, who cares about it? Not even right. like, get over it, you punks. You lazy millennials and Gen Zs. But Evie's amazing confessional delivery that was earnest and meaningful made me be like, oh, that probably is actually quite, quite difficult to be out there. No, I think zero calories is very effective in sort yeah. of embodying what was going on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's Evie. Uh, let's jump to your girl, Heather. <laughs> I would like... Okay, so on the Edgex subreddit, there's the term a truther, which I think is pulled from elsewhere, and it's being used as a Heather truther is someone who solidly believes that Heather will win the game. I don't know, truther just is a weird term for that. Like, that implies you know, like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's really what I have to say about Heather, (laughs) because... This woman, I don't know what she did, but she was not on her screens yet again, and it was very tragic. Yeah, Heather is such a bizarre character, (laughs) because, like, in the past, we've seen them, Alec, from Dave vs. Goliath, right? Like, he posted, what, an Instagram story with Kara or whatever, Mm -hmm. and that, like, made them mad at him, so they they under-edited him and kicked him from the reunion, and, but then he still showed up at the merge, you know what I mean? He, Mm -hmm. he was, I think you leave David vs. Goliath kind of forgetting that he was, like, uh, reprimanded for doing something bad. I know, I think that's one of the most effective, like, edit punishments they've done. Like, you think of, like, 
Purple Kelly, which was so drastic that it's infamous now. I think Alec is where they sort of nailed it and yeah. like underrated him just enough that it feels like his effect on the season isn't as big as it was. But yeah, anyway, no. I mean, Heather, like, yeah, what happened? I actually want wrong? I want to respond to that quick because I actually agree. <laughs> and I think it's an interesting point. Is the needle threading is difficult, right? In terms of if it's if it's a punishment, uh, you want to still not hurt your own show because of it. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're right. I think we look back on david versus goliath and alec was a much bigger part of that season i think than we saw yeah but we still leave with him being pretty important just not main character level when he probably was mm-hmm. i don't know if that's what we're dealing with with heather uh yeah what, are you, what were you saying about heather i just think she's clearly not in a good spot on our tribe she's not a good challenge competitor and then they're also just like no content for heather <laughs> I just wait. Are there Heather truthers? Like, like I think when you said that, like, are there people who are putting Heather number one? No, I think that's more of a joke, especially okay. with Erica sort of having a sort of rise in um, contenderness. I think I don't know. It's just if you're a Heather truther. DM us. <laughs> Come on the show. Defend your position. Just what? Because. If she's going to be safe next episode, that gives her another <laughs> bit of safety. Uh, I just don't see what her role will be in the season <laughs> still. And I think that's really alarming to be at the I don't think she has though. one, Joe. I think, <sighs> I think she's... But, like, the weird thing is, like, she won't even hit the meme status of a Purple Cowley or a Chelsea because she did get a confessional in episode one. Like, you do get, like... Chelsea and Purple Kelly not getting confessionals until what, like episode seven? Mm-hmm. And so that gets like memed on. Heather's been like less visible almost than them, but, or on the same level anyway, but she got to say she liked the show one time. <laughs> So she won't even get that meme status because she won't hit those stats that are funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Heather's got like the the hell at it. Like I don't know what Heather could have done because she doesn't even seem boring, really. Like I kind of like preseason. She is a little verbose and maybe hard to cut into a confessional, but we still hear almost nothing about them. Apparently, Sydney despises her. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand Heather, but Erica's got to go first. Such a strong... And it's just like, like, they don't hate heather because they're she was this really empowering moment in one of the episodes but they we don't have two give, of the episodes <laughs> this one too yeah but they don't give time for it. it's just i don't know i'm curious to see how her storyline ends up because i just simply have no clue see, i was so like honestly when i was watching this i was so convinced i'm like oh okay so they don't want you to care about heather because she's getting actually screwed by this twist but no she's getting saved by this twist right like <laughs> She was dead. Like, I was looking at the boot here, and I always kind of assumed Erica would find, you know, they'd give her something. Uh, and when, when that was confirmed, I was so of the opinion, like, this is just Heather's death sentence, and okay, they've under-edited her, so this terrible twist is palatable. But, no! No, she's gonna get saved by it, so I don't... I. Maybe some other dumb thing screws her. Like, I, I I really have no other idea of what they're doing here. Unless she's just the worst. But she's clearly not, right? Like, she when she talks, she's interesting. Yeah. She's kooky. Yeah, and I mean, you've had... Even with your worst, less, most unphotogenic, like, telegenic people. Like, you can make content. 
Yeah. You don't need this. Right. Like, Heather could say she likes eating rice and is sad that they don't have it. Or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's all this stuff Evie's saying could be Heather, and it's not. And maybe it's just someone gets ignored, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. It, it's just weird, especially with multiple times getting like huge challenge focus zoom in like reevaluate what it means to be a person moments and that's it it's yeah. like heather only ex- somehow heather who sat out of every challenge almost has one of the more memorable challenge relationships like her all her story comes from the challenges mm-hmm. yeah it's weird it's it's really weird and uh, i'm not sure how to really wrestle with it at all i'm stunned she's still here to be honest <laughs> i i don't think that they could even give her the andrea treatment right like i think i think that clock is passed i think that that um that ship has sailed and heather is going to remain a under edited irrelevant person who some people say that they don't they can't stand randomly <laughs> yep yeah so that's heather mm-hmm. and that brings us here to liana and joe i think this was huge for any liana stands listanas out <laughs> there um me included i mean Liana was positioned as the main character in this episode. Like, without a doubt, I think you could maybe argue that Erica maybe got a little bit more, but I think Liana's pretty firmly centered as the main character, and I think really came into their own as a character. I think we got a clear picture of who they are, what they value, what kind of game they want to play. Liana is everywhere in this season and i think that i've walked away a little bit on my liana's gonna steal shan's idol concept that i laid out last week i think i'm now of the opinion that maybe this like something something's gonna happen here with liana and tiffany in this advantage hmm. i think i've navigated closer to liana stealing shan's idol like i don't know quite how she's gonna use it but but yeah it's definitely interesting how she was presented whereas like erica you could very much argue only had circumstantial stuff (laughs) almost all of liana's was like i mean a lot of it was felt like really important story bits but it wasn't because it had to be shown um even down to the fact like we get liana's perspective on what this merge challenge means to them um as opposed to anyone else which I thought was a weird choice, but yeah, it really added to the fact that she's the main character here. Yeah, or Tiff, or Tiffany, right? It's mm-hmm. it's one of them, and multiple times in this episode, we see Tiffany say, first she says, well, I feel left out because Liana and Shan are besties, and Heather's with the boys, with the Luvu group, and that just leaves me. And then later on, we see Liana, uh, sorry, Tiffany also say, well, and now Liana's not telling me about this advantage. I thought we were a tight three, and clearly we're not because this new person knows more than me. It's so clear, I think, that the two sides are forming long-term Tiffany and Liana as the figureheads of both, and they are going to be playing a chess game that is Survivor 41. I don't know what that means. One of them is winning, I'm pretty darn confident. Right now, I have Liana at number two, uh, just because I think there's some things that could go wrong here. We hear from Tiffany that Liana is emotional. That's not great, I don't think, for Liana. Mm-hmm. I know. Have we seen it, though? We've seen it with her talking to... Like, to me, yeah. that episode where everybody sold the Tiffany stock looks so much different in retrospect. 
where you see uh, Liana call Tiffany's thought process idiotic and get quite snappy with Tiffany. Mm-hmm. I think that is way more uh, important than we thought at the time. I think those those two are are born to be enemies. Mm. And it's interesting that Liana is want, is all in on going against Yasa, right? Like, Tiffany kind of reams her out for that and like, okay, Xander's wasn't with, like, was on the bottom, but he's still more with us than these other people. So what are you doing, Liana? You're a backstabber. I can't trust you. Not, that stuff's not great for Liana, but you know what is great for Liana? Shan passing off her story to... Liana. Uh, and that's why I can't help have her number two. Shan talks nonstop about how much they like Liana in this episode. It's, I would say, most of what they say. And Shan's been our main character. Shan's been the cipher with how we view information in the season. And that went away, and she passed that off to Liana. Uh, I think that's huge. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting to bring up that episode, too, because I'm really thinking about that now, especially followed by, like, the ep- wherever after that, when, like, Liana's talking about her million-dollar mistake mm-hmm. and... Not getting rid of Tiffany. <laughs> it's her million-dollar mistake. And I think for so long, we were like, what does that mean? Like, it wasn't even presented that bad. Well, it makes a whole lot of sense. Again, remember, these editors are starting with the result. They know who wins. They know where these stories go. And to them, it probably makes a whole lot more sense to have it be Liana's million-dollar mistake was keeping Tiffany in the game over Voce. I don't know. That's really convincing. But I think I think I have problems with Tiffany that we'll get to later. But I don't know. It, it feels like, again, like Liana's a main character, but not like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm falling apart. Like maybe she's not the winner. I don't know. Her stuff is still good, but there are little there's holes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I've been thrown for a loop here halfway <laughs> through the castaway show. Yeah, it's so weird. And I just, okay, so here's an issue I have with Liana. And again, this is the person that had that number two. And I feel like I've mostly been saying negative things. Uh, maybe that speaks that I'm just very high on my number one, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Liana says, uh, and I have the transcription here. Xander is at my tribe, and uh, and he's still a huge threat. He has all these advantages, but Xander's overconfident. He feels comfortable with me. He doesn't see me as a threat. And so I'm chomping at the bit to, like, just flip the narrative, is what she says. Like I said flagged last week, her story's about making a big move. The biggest move of this season is going to be Liana. I'm so convinced of it. I think maybe our risk story could be why that doesn't pay off. Mm -hmm. She makes a big play and it doesn't work, maybe. Because... Yeah, why is she going after Xander, who evidently, even to her perspective, trusts her, doesn't see her as a threat? She wants to flip her narrative more than she wants to win, uh, is the the, the vibe that sends. Mm, I don't know. I think I'm still strong on Liana in the way that I mentioned with Shan, where it's like the pre-merge builds them up or it starts to make you doubt. And I think... There could be some building of that with with Tiffany. I'm I'm curious to see what her second half of this episode looks like because I don't know. It's 
it'll be interesting to see who gets sort of positioned as like the strategic powers here. Yeah. Um, Cause I think no. both Liana and Tiffany aren't quite there. I mean, it's very easy to feel like Ricard and Shan will take those places, but I, I think there's room for it not to be them very much yeah. so. So I'm and curious to see. You're right. I, and to speak, I guess, again, for in positive of the second most likely person, I think to win the season, it's, when I first watched this episode, Joe, I'm not going to lie, I turned to my friends and I said, Liana is winning. Like, I am so confident in this fact. I'm the, just everything, right? They get strategic mm-hmm. content. They get narrative content. They get uh, relationships with new people. Uh, they're in the alliance you want to root for and Shan, Deshaun, Danny, right? They have a powerful message. Uh, they have a, a thesis statement for how they want to play the game. All yeah. that. Huge. The other thing is, all that negativity I mentioned, it's clear they're at odds because Tiffany gets shade thrown her way as well from Liana. Mm-hmm. Liana has an amazing confessional, by the way, very well delivered, uh, where she says, again, speaks to this duality of Tiffany, who is both, what does she say? She's a really funny, charismatic person that everybody loves to be around. And then she says, and that to me is poison. I've realized that you're a major threat. So it goes both ways. They are at mm-hmm. war. I don't think that means you have to put too much shade on either one of these parties. They've established a war. I think the winner of that war is our winner. Oh, yeah. uh, hashtag winners at war, uh, <laughs> coming for more. But, uh, I think that's the story. I think one of these two is going to win that battle. And it's interesting that, like you said, they're not the generals. It's actually the lieutenants are the ones calling the shots here mm-hmm. because Evie and, uh, Shan are your generals. And I think they're getting clipped and they've already done the setup for the, um, replacements. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really a good point and i think yeah once either of these left and it was very clear they were still at odds with one another i would definitely shoot the other to the top but I the think... other thing with liana is that weird challenge focus mm-hmm. but it's weird that it's like i can't and then she does and ah, all these weird conflicting things but... No, but to be fair i feel like we see that as like inconsistency in the story but i do believe we are meant to take that situation as she did she doubted herself and and overcame fear or what yeah. you know what i mean i, I believe that's a purely pot yeah she never gave up that's a purely positive moment that i think mm-hmm. was just a little cringy but i think they're intending to present that as a as a powerful powerful thing yeah i i think you've you've broken your streak by the way you complimented liana's deliver of a confessional i yeah, know liana was on fire this week like <laughs> She's still not a shanty or anything like that, but she was she was she was captivating and interesting. I think. Um, and again, this is I think it, this whole time I've been meaning to kind of compare Liana and uh, Michelle Fitzgerald, right? Like people who aren't the biggest personalities in the world, but can can convey a, a feeling. Mm-hmm. And Liana can do that. Like there is a good like you you know what she's thinking in a way that she she's quite matter of fact. Uh, whereas I actually think the most color in her deliveries were this week. And I mean, I think it's probably conducive to the fact that also game wise on the beach, Liana's in the best position in the entire season. And it's not close. I was talking to this with some of my like 
strategy nerd friends. Good players would kill to be given the luxuries here that Liana enters this merge in. Shanna's gotta fight her, like, life out to get any connections because she has two coming in here. Liana has her Lyasa group already locked in. She has Shan and all Shan's connections locked in coming in uh and liana has an uh a, apparently a very easy time bonding with Deshaun and danny so liana just bursts into the season and survivor oftentimes you look at the winners they're the person who had the most connections at the merge and liana has the most and i don't think that's a um a coincidence at all i think liana's in a, a really good actual game theory position as well Again, the Goldilocks thing, not looking at, not being seen as a threat, like, but still being competent. There's a lot going uh, in Liana's favor in terms of just like actual game upside. If you were on the beach calling things, Liana's got the most connections, and and that does matter. Yeah, and none of them are with like the people who are just fodder. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's. I think you can make a case, and and this is uh, I think speaks very highly to Liana that Liana and Shan are the complex duo. I think I'd, I'd entertain that argument. I think you can, I think it's Liana and Tiffany are the complex duo of the season. Or maybe it's Liana and, and Evie. All of those seem actually like they could be possible. And that's really dang good for Liana. Mm -hmm. She's clearly a social beast out there yeah and i think it's it's something to note that while we may have noted that liana may not like shine the brightest on the screen they're constantly supplementing her with relationships with the people that do shine really brightly yes. and so i think they really want to give her the best chance to shine by like surrounding her with all these characters definitely no i mean literally her those three that i mentioned are the biggest characters in Jimmy are the, yeah. the most tv-ish folks and that matters for sure uh yeah super high on liana the only thing i do want to flag here is actually we'll, we'll hold that for now um any other thoughts on liana i don't think so i'm excited to talk about this next person because after talking about liana they're sort of the anti-liana in a strange yes. way <laughs> yeah so we've got our boy nasir and nasir <laughs> I think is what is Nasir and Liana are the two who appear on both of our lists, I think, and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, Nasir had, I would say, a pretty good episode here. Mm -hmm. Again, he's being interjected into strategy in ways that are unnatural. Mm -hmm. They want us to think he's a little bit better at the game than I think he maybe is. He And that's just shown by him saying he's in a good spot, right? Like, that's um, yeah. basically all we get there. And then we get people say that they might want to steal his idol, and then they say, and Leon says, no, we leave this assuming he won't get his idol stolen. So I am not, like, I, there's a big jump between Nasir and Liana for me. Nasir's my number three contender, but if there's a, again, maybe a bad winner, I could see it maybe being Nasir, uh, it, it, and whereas I think uh, a Liana or Tiffany would be good winners just a little bit odd and secondary whereas i think this year may be a little bit out of his depths and maybe maybe be winning in a in a bitter jury uh, situation mm -hmm. i think so why nasir is the anti liana if Liana's the best connected nasir's connections are weak and then they're all the luvu who we've deemed as fodder i mean who knows how the season will go from here but his connections aren't good his one connection that he did build with is xander which we i can't imagine is a strong like long lasting connection and yeah, yeah just the biggest thing with this year is it feels like he's 
a winner contender playing on a different season. Like, yep. He's out of the orbit and just like he has an okay edit, but it doesn't match any of the stories. Like he himself fits to the themes, but he doesn't like match to like the plot stories of these right. other eleven yeah. people. He is on an island, right? Like he is completely separate to everybody else. That's what the inner workings. We have no idea what he thinks of Shan. We have you know what I mean? There's nothing. There's uh and I think honestly part of it feels like they're having a hard time justifying him almost. Like there seems to be considerable effort in beefing him up. That could be he's a losing finalist. That could be he's uh he's in the finale or something. But it is a little weird. Like he's getting strategic content when it seems like all he talks about is challenges. Like he goes up to Xander and he's like, You're a beast, man. What's the line basically? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like that's what he's talking about when we see him on the beach. He's when he when he's talking to Luvu, he says, We've won many challenges. Be Luvu strong. <laughs> like that's it. That's everything we've seen of him on the beach has been survivalist and challenges. His confessionals then retcon him into being a, a player in the game. And that's freaking weird. Yeah. I don't know. I could almost see him as the merge boot, where it really is this unfortunate circumstance that just sends him out of the game, despite it. it all seeming to go better for him. Yeah, the only reason he's really a winner threat for me is just that it's weird. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like he, they, they, they could make him look... He could be more fun almost, right? Like, he could be more like saying goofy things and doing goofy things than he is like they're actually giving him pretty serious content for the most part like mm-hmm. game relevant stuff and i just feel like he he'd probably look a little bit more like again his favorite survivor player of all time philip shepherd uh <laughs> than than he is i feel like he's looking a whole lot more like a fabio than he is like a philip shepherd yeah i don't know he's a weird one he's still on my list but it's just it needs to start meshing into the rest of the season especially now that's the merge like that's the entire point so honestly joe i i kind of disagree because i feel like as long as he continues to have this bizarre feeling forced edit i'm gonna consider him as a wins in the end in their upset about it story and that's the mm. that's the story where i see a nasir win happening it's nasir's up against tiffany and liana and nasir wins because the six luvu are the jury or something you know what i mean like that's almost where I see this. If Nasir wins, it's he plays a bad game and Luvu is the jury and they pick the winner and they pick Nasir. Is almost the only. What other path does he have? Like, how does. How other than Nasir stumbling into a win even seems viable? To me, there's none other than falls into it. Mm-hmm. I guess we're kind of losing people like goats worse than him. Like, you look at this list and it's like, I don't know, does he get to the end with Erica and Heather? That's just bizarro world. But Well, I mean, my number one contender, Tiffany, could also, is also my number one pick for losing finalist. So, I mean, Tiffany's story is that she's very captivating, but too intense. And if you throw in a, I don't know, a Sydney there or something, like Sydney, Nasir, and Tiffany, and they just like Nasir, I could see that. I could see Nasir beating, maybe the story is how 
like Evie said, that the guy just wins. It's Nasir and two better quote unquote players that are women, and and Nasir just wins. I I like that's the thing. Is if anybody's doing that, it's Nasir. If anybody's robbing somebody, it's Nasir. Yeah. Other than that, I I, I don't really I, I don't think he's gonna be the powerhouse. I just think he's been kind of presented as a really good player when I think he's probably not not a bad player, but he's he definitely seems like guy who likes challenges. Mm-hmm. But then his confessionals are way more insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay, this is interesting. So there's this weird moment where he says Evie. That almost made me think that's like a losing finalist touch. Like, is he going to say the wrong names at Final Tribal or something like that? Yeah, that was... I don't know what to make of that. It was weird. Whatever it was. He's rooting for Evie. He says Evie and Erica corrects him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like special focus. And there's a couple weird things like that. Like, again, the moment last week where i said might be a winner scene with jeff being like hey do you want to play survivor i i could see a world where they get to the end like he gets to the end and a lot of this like narrative upbuilding that we're talking about is actually edit manipulation for when the jury is like hey nasir do you have any idea what happened in this season were you even playing and he can't recall basic facts or something like i could see that happening very easy um almost like a angelina or like a uh, i feel like dean had that a little bit um but the issue is like someone like I was almost thinking like a Nora, but Nora was presented way goofier and not serious. Like yeah, you, they still need to discredit Nasir. Yeah, because right now I feel like logically I view him as a goat, but edit wise he's being presented as somebody who would win a jury vote, and mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, there's weirdness going on there. Like, red yeah. flags are flying. Mm-hmm. And he has the idol. Everybody knows about it. Great job production, by the way. <laughs> really fun. Uh, but it doesn't seem like his idol's going to get stolen. So hmm. I guess, Joe, gun to your head. Nasir, does he play his idol correctly or no? I don't think so. I think he does. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with he does. Uh, maybe he gets tipped off or something like that. And he, he takes out a big-ish player, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on this year? I think so. It's very interesting that we both think highly of him, but I think we read him very differently. Yeah. So we'll see where he goes. For sure. I actually love him, by the way. He's very, yeah, yeah he's like very sweet. I think he's my favorite on the season right now. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I He's pretty darn close to my favorite. Like number one is still obviously Shan for me. After that, I think it's probably, I jump Ricard, Tiffany, Nasir are all in the same tier. So I might have Liana close to him, but yeah, Nasir, Nasir's an icon, big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really funny, and it, it, yeah, like he's got some like good like style almost. Like you could you could impersonate Nasir, I think, pretty easy. <laughs> uh, like mm-hmm. you could like someone like a good actor could play Nasir from what we've seen. <laughs> uh, and that jumps us to Ricard, who Joe, I love. I was living like I really respect him putting his foot down with Shan. I think that was pretty awesome. He didn't just let Shan have her way, and that's great. He's not winning the like, like <laughs> almost zero. Like he wasn't in this episode after the the merge. <laughs> he just vanished, mm-hmm. which isn't good at all. But that said, I hope he does. I think he's so insightful and smart, and probably got short shrift because Shan was just the powerhouse of a player and character. Because I think. I think Ricard is the main character in any other season he plays. If he's not, yeah. even if he's on a different tribe, I think he's a powerhouse character. Uh, the season just he was forced to play second fiddle. That said, Joe, hot take: Ricard is outliving Shan in this game. Ricard is going to take Shan out. I don't know. 
I could see Ricard going pretty soon here. Like I said, I'm just thinking those non-Luvu vulnerable people are in danger. <laughs> and so, and then, yeah, I just feel like with Shan turning on him, I feel like Shan's going to turn on Ricard and get him out sooner rather than later. So, yeah. especially with Shan's new alliance, I think Ricard could be painted as one of those easy votes. So, yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, I, it's definitely possible. Um, I don't know how much longevity he has, which is sad, but realistically, this is how most seasons probably go, right? Is you just don't have the connections and as they said earlier everybody's gonna know one of these two would win in the end because they have overcome so much but also i don't know joe do you think ricard could be a losing finalist i feel like there's a lot on him being untrustworthy and skeevy and, and that that could read to me as a as a losing finalist it's just like ah you're kind of a dick I guess I don't really get the sense that he makes it there. Yeah, that's me as well. And I think you're right. I think if he gets there, he wins because they've overcame so much. And he's has this he has this reputation as a strategist. Yeah. So I think Yeah, he's like a good mustache twirly villain that like you want to hear what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And yet we have not heard enough. <laughs> no, I right. I really do want to hear more. Like I would happily cut a few Liana confessionals <laughs> for uh, Ricard just to get the pattern back in there. Uh, but yeah, like I, I wanted to hear. I really wanted to see him and Shan after the merge. Yeah. Like where are they going? Like are they uh, are they ships in the night or are they <laughs> that won't pass each other or is this going to be a complex rebuilding? If the story next week is all about Ricard and Shan, I could maybe see where... Because I feel like the subreddit right now, the edge of community is still pretty firm on Shan, right? Like, if I'm under, if I'm catching these vibes right, if that's the case, I mean, I can see that being really good for Shan and Ricard. I mean, it's just, why wasn't that this week? If the answer is, oh, it's a two-hour episode and we put it all in the second one, sure, whatever, maybe. Well, and I think there'd be room for it there. Like, yeah. you give this first hour to really set down some new relationships and then have Shannon and Ricard re regroup and see where they're at now. Like, yeah, I mean, that would bolster Shan for me. I'm, you did not need to convince me <laughs> this episode that Ricard was not winning, so. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I really do think that Ricard's, I think Ricard is definitely not winning. But I think he's got a couple tricks still up his sleeve. I think that they've done a decent amount to let us know he's really good at this. <laughs> and a backstabber who should have left. And that to me is... Again, I, I think I'm really looking at these... I think you have Erica. I think you have Ricard. And I think you have Tiffany um, emerging as three people that somebody at some point... The story is saying they should have cut. Mm -hmm. I think the story is... Shan should have cut Ricard. Liana should have cut Tiffany. And Luvu should have cut Erica. Hmm. Maybe that's your final three, Joe. I don't <laughs> think that's your final three. But <laughs> there's something there. All three tribes have a, a survivor that shouldn't be there. And that hmm. means something. Hmm. It do. Um, but yeah, he's like probably my second favorite on this cast. I, I hope we get to see Ricard play again. Yeah. I freaking love them. I think he's hilarious on Twitter too. Uh, uh, and that's the quality I care about, apparently. Um, <laughs> Stan Ricard, I'm going to be, like, 
doing I, I know the events have already happened so this is a, a, a futile activity uh this halloween uh we're gonna be busting out the candles gonna be doing a seance to keep ricard in this season joe <laughs> i do not want him to leave next week i would be very sad i don't know i i think this season he has been hurt like edit wise so much from being by shan i almost want to like mercy kill him just so we can get him ready for that next season so much more and just get a better side of him right put ricard on 42 <laughs> then then none of them will know who he is and it'll be cool mm-hmm. i would love it and yeah i mean I'm sad that we didn't even really get to see, like, we. I think we saw Shan, and I guess we can transition here into Shan, overplay her hand coming into the merge, I think, because they've been on high alert, right? Like, they've been playing at a pace that these other people can't comprehend. Yeah. And so you see Shan make some slip-ups uh, throughout this episode. We didn't even get to really see what Rakar's up to, which made me sad. Like, I, yeah. I want to know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. My guess is I actually do think we will check in on him next week. Like I do, I think they like him. I think they like what he brings. I think maybe he just didn't fit into yeah. And I mean, had to do. He was safe, quote unquote. So yeah, there wasn't much reason to worry about him. But now there yeah. is. Yeah, and I am worried. You've made me worried. But I think <laughs> honestly, like I'd be like, why wouldn't it be a Luvu? Mm-hmm. It just yeah. seems. I think that's more likely. Yeah, like I feel like Danny. Like almost everybody else is more likely, other than it's not gonna be it's not gonna be heavy but mm-hmm. um yeah so let's jump to shan joe i as i mentioned earlier i think the headline here i have i think eliminated shan this was as i mentioned earlier this was a torch passing episode this shan's content was about liana and we saw shan mess up i i think we've seen some mistakes or honestly they weren't even presented as mistakes they were presented as uh, something that could be perceived as, as a mistake, but it's justified in the past with Shan. Mm-hmm. And we saw a cut and dry mistake with no justification or anything here. Just sloppy play. And that moment made me, I do not think Shan is going to be our winner. I could see all the way up to a losing finalist. Uh, I don't know. What, what was your take on Shan this week? I don't know, because I think... After the rewatches still, I was like, it wasn't the greatest episode, but that pre-merge has been so good to such a strong winner contender and like a consensus pick. Like I can't, I can't go off on Shan just yet, but like discussing tonight has definitely, I don't know, loosened that grip. It's just, it almost feels like there's this sort of edit that they made where it's like the winner of a try. Yeah, and Shan was the winner of Ua, um, but now I mean, there's the merge to deal with, and she doesn't feel like the winner of that tribe. She, yeah, I think it's just very cleanly put how she. I mean, we don't even know if it was a mistake for her. Maybe she was trying to be sneaky and being like, "Oh, Liana, oh. did you get your advantage while Tiffany was there last like, week?" The Shan music would have been playing as she says, "Oh, and I'm gonna run up to Tiffany and expose this." Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just the mistake is unjustified and the whole situation is unjustified. Like that Liana's advantage situation is from Liana's perspective and Tiffany's perspective. It's not from Shan's perspective. And that just does feel like a really big, a big thing for me. I I think I will drop Shan down. I think I will still have her as a contender, but I'm really wary of whatever next episode brings. Because I think we're going to start seeing a season that clears more of a path for other characters and starts to leave Shan in the background. Or... I agree with that. I honestly think this is going to be very similar to a Ryan Ulrich in 35. Like, I think that's where it's... Ryan, I think, ends... Like, the first five episodes, if I remember correctly, and this is just, like, remembering a random Reddit post, I think. I think Ryan leaves the pre-merge as the most visible person in the history of survivor and the pre-merge or something like that and then i don't think you leave that season seeing him as like the main character right he is definitely third behind cressy and ben at the very least and maybe even Devin, right like even though he was annoyingly uh visible in the pre-merge but you kind of forget that because he vanishes at the merge and i think shan might be similar i think you're right i think she's passing it off to somebody else um we're also getting these weird like flaws with shan that when you look back on have not been addressed the indecisiveness the uh just there, there's a lot of stuff there the paranoia she, i don't think shan looks good at all in that um debacle with her card that I, I thought that looked quite bad and there's no justification whereas in the past i think shan did get to defend herself and it's not good that she's not getting that here um and i think this is another interesting point so shout to uh mildly four on the survivor edgic subreddit on our comments here uh basically breaking down the argument of basically i i think there's been a common take on the uh you know on the old edgic community of well sometimes the winner is just in your face and that that is definitely true right tony is definitely in your face mm-hmm. um in many ways, Tommy's in your face, but when you dissect Tommy, Tommy was in your face as a winner. He wasn't the most visible character on the show at any point. He was always kind of like second or third behind Missy, behind Kelly, behind uh, all, you know, like he wasn't like wall to wall content, Tommy. Uh, if that's what you remember, that's not what that show was. He was, there's some episodes where he was just wearing a hat that you hadn't seen before and you kind of could track that he was involved in the vote. And then he said, like, some CP garbage nothing line. Like, he was not your main character. He was second or third. Yeah. And even Tony, his story was how he's pulling back early on, and then he's going to sucker punch people, right? Like, uh, very rarely is the winner the most visible person pre-merge. Mm-hmm. Although, like, you have your, like, Nick. Who... Nick is the, I, Nick, I believe, is the one, right? Like, Nick is the winner who is the most visible character in the pre-merge. I think him and Richard Hatch are the only ones. Well, then, and then what makes Nick tricky is that he also falls back a little bit in some of the merge episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that pattern of, like, one episode edited for Nick, one episode edited for Kara, and it goes back and forth. So, I mean, I guess they're doing a great job of being like, oh, what do you think this edit is? Is it just your typical yep. over-edited pre-merge presence, or is it actually the winner? Who you'll never know. No, the like Shan believers. Like, what you want is this to be Nick, right? The hyper-visible character. Fall. They basically 
decide he he's visible enough that he can fall back because he isn't the prominent figure at this merge. It's Christian and Gabby and Alec and all these folks, and he's actually kind of in the background. He mattered in the pre-merge, but not so much at this early merge phase. Um, and then the debate with him and Mike White, I actually think is intentional, right? The story of Nick and Mike White is Christian's little graph thing you've seen that Ponderosa video of, I think that, one, I think the production team of Survivor obviously fell head over heels for Christian. And the fact that he summed up the two as Nick peaking at the end and being worse overall, but Mike White being better overall, but worse at the end, I think actually is the story of how Nick won, right? Uh, Nick ends up playing well at the end or whatever. That's what you want from Shan. This There's a reason somewhere for her to fade here that isn't just a cool down. It's mm-hmm. the story of how Shan has to rebuild or something. Like We need that second act here for Shan that we did not get. I know yeah. that the instinct is that Shan would need to uh, chill out here, but I think it's actually Shan needs to tell us what the second act is. Yep, I would agree with that. And maybe that's in the second hour. You know, that's that's very possible. That's kind of what happened with Nick. Um, so yeah, I would say just watch Nick's story and if 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 you're seeing shanna's nick i i I can see her as a viable threat to me i've eliminated her because i don't but celevy (laughs) still an icon uh i want to jump to sydney yes queen i think sydney is so funny joe (laughs) i like i feel like i've seen a lot of people really turn on her like i think is she is she she's probably the least like the the hated one ding 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 someone who's turned on her (laughs) i think i don't know her whole line of like I can't stand Heather, but we need to get Eric out is so mean girl. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I wouldn't care to meet, meet Sydney in like uh, an alley, let it be dark or light. Like, I don't know. I think she's funny, but in a way that sometimes hurts really. <laughs> and Oh, I don't disagree. I mean, I'm sure I see. I don't know. Personally, I actually kind of enjoy having like mean <laughs> in friends but i agree like i don't know if tiff or sydney would be like the best person ever or anything like that but she makes me laugh on the show she really does i think i thought that was hilarious like oh yeah i think i think we gotta make sure erica goes uh i can't stand heather it's very <laughs> she reminds me of lucille bluth from arrested development like i don't care for job like very very that energy and i don't know i'm all for her i hope she's here for a while i'm a little worried she could leave soon but she's got a decent amount of like content really when you look back on it that that might be a little surprising but she would actually make a decent merge boot yeah um, so I think I'm like, she's, she's my actual pick for merge boot out of the the vulnerable people yeah i when i saw that that's where my first like gut instinct went was like oh sydney's screwed and mm-hmm. maybe that's why they do develop her a decent amount and make her a little bit unrootable uh is look she's the merge boot and she got a little robbed but you're okay with it because it's sydney and she's the one that you don't like mm-hmm. i hope that's not the case because again i think she's freaking hilarious <laughs> and i think she adds a lot to the season like She's messy, she's playing hard, she's unlike anybody else on the season in terms of demeanor and that sort of thing. Yeah. I like her confessional delivery, like, I, I don't know, I'm probably a Sydney stan. Because, <laughs> again, I, I'm always of the opinion that I don't really care that much about people being good people on, our, on my, I care about people being entertaining, and Sydney is entertaining. 
Uh, so, I don't know. I, I'm just honestly very worried for her, and I hope she's not leaving, because I think, she, again, she makes me laugh, and that's, like, really all you can hope for. It is interesting. We see Sydney and Tiffany kind of get into it almost in the background of a scene. Yeah, it's not even, like, at this weird two-second clip of, like, Tiffany very clearly, like, oh, and she didn't tell me, which you assume is very much about Liana having an advantage. Mm -hmm. So that sounds... And, like, this is Sydney and Tiffany who had this, like, terrible interaction at the summit (laughs) in, like, episode three. And, yeah, I'm just like, what was happening in that conversation? Why did we not see that conversation? (laughs) Um, And it was weird because it was, like, one of those things where it's important but not enough to focus on. Like, that doesn't make error if it doesn't matter. It's not as if they randomly left in this scene of two people talking and subtitling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's honestly a really good scene for Tiffany. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and it's like, no, it, I, it might be good for Sydney's survival chances. Yeah. I would be floored if Sydney won. I <laughs> I mean, I might be happy. I don't know. But I don't know how that would even happen. I don't even know if I can even really conceptualize or imagine it. But Sydney's story is being, you're right, is, is she's the mean girl. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of her early stuff kind of makes sense. It's, we were we, we like, really, her traveling Europe is weird, right? When it aired. And it makes sense. Like, they're, they're trying to present her as, like, kind of a spoiled brat, I think. Which is maybe unfair. It seems like she's actually pretty good in the outdoors like mermaid mm. queen uh yeah i don't know yeah it's weird how that sort of like contradicts her like giving up on the fire though yeah i think i think they're just doing a good job of like painting her as this like mildly annoying figure yeah to, like when she goes you're like oh okay it's and- very bradley but i almost like bradley was <laughs> i think more overtly annoying whereas yeah. i think they did a good job actually giving you kind of a 3d picture of sydney and i feel like it's bradley meets game changers Haley, or like game changers ozzy even yeah yeah <laughs> no i think that's that's interesting it's just they they show what she's good at and also that she is childish and and, and a little mean and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're doing with her so i kind of hope that that drama interjects like imagine if sydney and tiffany final two (laughs) that is what i want like as jd would say multiple times in the season inject that in my bloodstream joe (laughs) that would be wild i would be so here for it um i don't think so either i'm really worried for uh, sydney so i don't know let's jump here to tiffany Mm -hmm. you're a winner of survivor 41 i think maybe that's my top pick i don't know um this was an amazing episode for tiffany did it also make me wonder if she's a losing finalist yes did it make me shake uncontrollably uh in fear of pitching this on this show yes but i think i'm all in i think i was right episode one i think tiffany is a complex 3d character that we have not seen in a long time where we see her faults and everything and the story is how th- how her faults are actually a-, a-, a positive she cares that's why she's a little messy and mm-hmm. rough around the edges and stuff i think that's what they're trying to tell us i don't know i think i think if you're scared about presenting it here like you've been chipping away i'm i'm like 
edging towards Tiffany Tiffany Truther ish because like it feels right when you bring up all of like Liana's negatives like Tiffany's right there to be the alternative so it feels like the right choice but uh, I I am still unsure and I think when or if a winner is sort of has rough edges like this I get really caught up like Tony season 40 Tony season 28 like when there's a bit of flaw to them I really can't see it and look for cleaner options all the time Tiffany is Tony if she was if Tony was a woman (laughs) I think I question I think it's weird that Tiffany sort of went hard on Liana for going after Xander when Tiffany's gone after Xander before like that's a bigger hang up and it's just I don't know I do think this episode was really good I'm curious to see how she establishes herself in this group of people because she's already someone who's it's who it's difficult to see work on a game perspective. So yeah, I think for an edit that at least has had an incredible ability to make Nasir this character that's not contradicted, I think they can do something with Tiffany too. If she's the winner, show how she's impacting the game and yeah. how she, even if she's an underdog winner, how she's still a worthwhile one in some way. Yeah. And- Honestly, like, I feel like I haven't, like, the the word underdog or bad or whatever is wrong because Tiffany is in that tier where I think it's possible, but Tiffany's been presented as a good, strong player who just has faults. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the right use of it, but back in the day, back in the Natalie White winning era, they called it, like, type A and type B winners. Like, is type B, like, right here? And if not, should we just (laughs) reuse it as this? Like, they don't, they don't fit the perfect mold, the perfect, like, Tommy mold, Kim mold. Yeah. But they make sense as a winner, and it's a little bit different. Like, it's, (laughs) uh, like, you know, it's, it's your Chris Underwoods, it's your Tonys, it's, it's it's Tiffany. Yeah, something Fabio. has happened this season. Yeah. yeah. The only, like, honestly, Joe, I would bet the farm on that I don't have on uh, Tiffany in the final four, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think, like, she's my number one pick for losing finalist, firemaker, and winner. Like, she is <laughs> so clearly a main character uh, and has a huge impact on the season. But she could be Angelina. Like, they could get to the end and just laugh at her very easily. And that's my only reservation, really, is that she could also very easily be a losing finalist because her story is that she's very lovely, but also (laughs) off-putting. And that we probably haven't seen enough of her being funny. Like, that was my one flag, is we've seen it, I guess, with the eye-rolling with Xander, but I still feel like that comes off across as intense more than it does funny. Like t- Liana describes Tiffany as super charismatic and lovely, basically, and, and <laughs> funny. And I feel like we've seen a very intense and captivating but intense person. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I would like to see more of the positive of Tiffany. I think that said, fair. how good is it, Joe, that in an episode where Liana talks about how meaningful this four-person alliance is of herself, Danny, Deshaun, and Shan. That's her primary focus, right? Liana's primary focus is talking about how 
that much how that means to her or what that means to her uh how working with people who look like you matters and right afterwards again the construction of these scenes matters the order that we get this information we hear that Tiffany, or sorry, that uh, Liana is kind of maybe divorcing a little bit from Yasa. Right after you get Tiffany on the hunt, on the prowl, and mentioning that she doesn't trust Liana no more. She basically catches her in the act of flipping. We see Liana flipping in the meta discussion of flipping to that four-person alliance. And Tiffany's right there already. Not getting fooled, not getting duped. Knows something's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good for Tiffany. Like, yeah. if it's a complicated story of back and forth and trying to keep Yasa together, maybe. That's where I kind of see Tiffany's story going is... And kind of what you're saying with the contradiction of Xander, it's, well, last week it kind of recontextualized it as Tiffany's worried about Evie and Xander. Evie, so last week it was Evie and Xander she's worried about. This week it's Liana going after Xander. It's Tiffany has a fear of the unit breaking. I think it's beyond just Liana or Evie or Xander or being anti-Xander or whatever. It's being against deception. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is cons- is actually consistent. I think she has to be careful, though, because she needs to, if that's happening... She needs to either be able to bring it together or have alternate plans. And so far, we haven't seen her no. branch out. But now she knows about the advantage. My, I almost wonder if Tiffany is going to somehow undermine Liana's advantage. I don't know how that would happen, though, really. Like, I, 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 I was thinking about that. I'm like, Tiffany's going to outplay Liana or something with this advantage. I just don't... I feel like the advantage is too overpowered for that to happen. But like, like there's so- something there. She she knows Liana's going to use it on someone. So she gets them to like move the advantage so they don't currently have it. And then plays it. Oh, like that, like that could work. Something like that. Or maybe they, maybe it's they convince Liana that, uh, you know, Xander's gonna go, and then they blindside Liana or something like something like that. I could see happening, and so Liana's mm-hmm. taking Xander's idol on his way out, and then actually Liana leaves or something like that. Yeah, that's another good plan. Huh. Something like that. Like to me, so. I was explaining it to my friend. I'm like, so I don't believe in Shan winning because Liana's at it exists, right? The existence of Liana undermines Shannon's exist, or sorry, Shan's existence. Mm-hmm. Tiffany's existence undermines Liana's existence, which is why I have Tiffany number one over Liana because Tiffany's. I think is just getting the ever so slight win while still looking a little in peril like you still get the doubt of well she's very intense and playing hard we've also got a lot of people talk about who tiffany is right mm. the pre-viver stuff hasn't come back up which to me i think will come back up i don't know it's it's all about like not giving up again like every time she's in danger she spoke directly to the camera and said i'm not in danger mm-hmm. i i I just, I feel like Tiffany's actually a very good player and is just kind of a kooky person, like a Tony. And for, I think because we've seen this, her archetype, honestly, lose in the final tribal a lot. It gives some reservations and people don't want to, I guess people have a hard time, and me included, picturing Survivor actually editing a Tony style player who's a woman like Tony. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest reservation. It's because we've seen that be the losing finalist a lot. But 
I think maybe it is actually a new era. Maybe they're actually willing to show a complex uh, woman winner. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm getting closer to believing in Tiffany, but I still think even if it is meant to be like closer to Tony, it still feels outside the borders. I still right. think they would go more reserved for their... The other question is like, who is she beating? I I truly have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that's, the, that's the other issue is, to me, she looks a lot like a losing finalist, and I'm then wondering, like, is it Sydney? Is it... I, I could see Tiffany, Sydney, Xander as a final three, mm-hmm. or Tiffany, Ricard, Danny or Deshaun, or Heather, or something like that. Like, there's some paths I can see. I just some of them I'm like, how does she get there? Maybe it's Tiffany Tiffany uh, Nasir Xander. Tiffany Nasir Xander could be doable. And then it's she played the best of them. Or yeah, like th- there's some people combos I I could see her winning, but they still feel like they might be toss-ups and they, I don't think it's gonna be a strong Tiffany win. I think if Tiffany wins, she's getting five votes over four or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just the fact that I think she's been justified so much. Like Nora doesn't get that. Angelina does at times, but other times gets kind of joked about, right? Um Mm-hmm. Tiffany, despite having moments of levity and comedy, is a pretty legitimate character. Yeah. Who sees through people. Like, yeah. every time we've seen them be suspicious of somebody, it's it's right after a scene where Evie and Xander are talking that uh, Tiffany's worried about Evie. And it, that small change means a lot because if every instant had a confessional, like, I love Tiffany and Liana and I can't wait to go to the end with them. And then Tiffany is all questioning Evie. It looks terrible. But we see Evie and Xander talk, and then Tiffany says it. We see that alliance form of Danny Deshaun, uh, Shan, Liana, and then she puts uh, reservations on Liana. It's always justified, right? Um, and and that, 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 that does matter. And so that's why, to me, more likely it's a winner. It's just... She could also lose to Shan or something like that. And I wouldn't be, uh, it'd be like, oh yeah, well, rip. Yeah. I think I just see her more as a losing finalist at the moment. I also think this episode to me clarified that it's, it's, she's a good player. And I think that matters. Like, I think she's going, I think she's going to get at least a one up on Liana, whether that's winning the war. I don't know. She's going to win a battle though. I think she's going to dupe Liana, but maybe Liana fires back. Like, that's the question for me is, I think Tiffany's winning this first battle. Or, like, you know, for whatever the first conflict mm-hmm. is, Le- Tiffany's gonna get it. If Liana leaves from that, Tiffany's your winner. If, yeah. uh, it's like they go back and forth, and that's where I see Liana winning, you know? Sort of like we saw Tony versus Sarah at Winner's Yeah, Star. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that conflict didn't literally come until, well, I don't know, there was, like, Sophie and stuff, so. Yeah, I, I think it's actually a really good, uh, really good comparison. Uh, or like a Dom and Wendell, like, I, I could see that very well being a possibility, and it's like, what if Dominic won, right? Uh, because Ghost Island, our first season, is sort of, uh, enca- um, encapsulated by the idea of Wendell's the sensible one to Dominic and saves him early on. What if Wendell, in episode three, cries to the camera about how saving Dominic was a mistake? We didn't get that. We got them being in simpatico for the entire season until mm-hmm. the end when then they're trying to fire shots a little bit, but that's always been established. This one, Liana has said keeping Tiffany was a mistake, and it makes me think that Tiffany gets the one over, and I don't know who else would usurp her. So. Well, that's- Liana did say keeping Xander was the mistake. Yeah, 
I guess that is true. I guess that is true. Um, Which, I, I mean, there's still something there, but... There's a yeah, bit. they're at odds, and it's like not making this big move was a mistake. And, yeah, yeah I guess that's the thing is I should clarify, right? It's so, it's that Tiffany disagrees with that, right? Like, Tiffany was the pusher against going after Xander, right? Mm, yeah. And now Tiffany is again the pusher against going after Xander. That is an interesting dynamic between Tiffany and Xander. Mm-hmm. Which I guess brings us to Xander, who re-emerged, I think, as a character that matters this week. Yeah, as a character separate from his advantages. A little bit. I mean, I think you're still a little defined by his advantages, but less about the actual function of them and more how he relates to them, which mm-hmm. is a distinction. Yeah, he had an interesting relationship building moment with the seer. Which yeah. I think that's maybe good for pulling Nasir into the the way things are going, but um, otherwise, I don't know. Xander's a hard one. I feel like it's already clear he's not winning, so it's mostly just trying to find what his role is. And I actually think he's in for a bit at the moment. Yeah, like, he's got underdog credit, and so it would be like there's too much talk of him leaving. He's 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 safe for a good chunk. Yeah, I almost I don't know maybe finale night, like not a finalist, not even like fire making. Yeah, the only person, like, to me, Xander could be a losing finalist against Tiffany specifically uh, because of that uh, scene where he says, like, I hope she takes pity on me. Mm -hmm. That's the only dynamic, I think, where I could see Xander losing in the end. Against anybody else, I don't think it's viable, and I think it's more likely he gets clipped earlier. Firemaker loser doesn't make sense. I feel like he's jungle boy. Yeah, I think he's, like, fifth through 8th-ish? Yeah, maybe, like, immunity when... or something like that. Like, in this episode, he says, you know, win immunity or use my idol to stay in the game. Maybe that's maybe that's what happens yeah but i think there's an interesting discussion with him and tiffany who like i mentioned just a second ago tiffany saved him twice mm-hmm. it's clear there's more to that relationship than we've seen he talks about how he hopes because she deals with kids all the time that she forgives him and all that sort of thing and we see that she will not but then we see her try to save him here there's something interesting there i think like it's almost to me joe it gave me that weird scene with Sarah and Troy Zan and Game Changers vibes. Like it's trying to bring them together even though Yeah, yeah, it's trying to bring them bring them together in a meaningful way so that you remember their even though they, they their ships may sail in different directions throughout the entire merge, they'll they'll re they'll reshow up at some point. Um <laughs> but also I mean Xander's a athletic guy with advantages, so it could just be no matter what, he's going to be important because he's got these tricks in his bag and that sort of thing. So that's the thing is the issue with Xander is he could kind of leave, like he could leave next week and I wouldn't be like floored. Well, I would because that would mean Erica didn't. Oh, yeah, no, I guess. He could leave in two weeks, yeah. Well, yeah. Joe, you're forgetting about the reverse, the reverse time advantage. <laughs> An even bigger hourglass. Yeah, just because you won the reverse the advantage uh, reward doesn't mean that uh, you can't expect the double one, you know? Mm-hmm. Gotta expect the unexpected twice. Uh, yeah, that's you're right. Like, I don't know. I think he'll at least win a, a challenge. I think that's clearly... I think he'll use his idol right or something. Yeah. Like, he's gonna save himself in a meaningful way. He's an underdog. He's been presented that way. Mm-hmm. I do kind of wish they didn't drop him randomly in the pre-emerge. Yeah. 
Like, I would have liked to be really considering him, because I think I could wrangle myself into believing in this story. It's For just, sure. like, it's it's weird that I, I, despite Xander being on the show more, I almost view Erica above. Like, Erica is the version of where Xander's winter story could go. It's just, the issue is it was front-heavy, whereas Erica's is a little bit of content dip throughout and so i can't, just can't consider xander because they just he was there and then he wasn't and then he was there and then he wasn't and then it was like it's so chaotic that you just mm-hmm. can't and but like so so tied to advantages too yeah whereas like you just add a little bit more color in a couple of those episodes and it it's doable it's just i don't know here he was just kind of meandering <laughs> Right, like he was just—he's like it definitely seemed like they were trying to find him content. I did like the mergatory line though. Yeah, that was very good. That was clever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that I mean Xander's only meaningful relationship was with Tiffany in this year. So I mean, give me like eight percent on a Tiffany Xander Nasir finale. <laughs> I think That's that could happen. It's pretty high for a combination of three people. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I'm not a math major, Joe. um i'm not very good at that but i think that's that could be a viable like if xander's gonna make his 50 grand or whatever i think that's what you're gonna hope you're gonna hope tiffany's the winner because i think tiffany has been shown as we often talk about the alpha and beta in a relationship and tiffany is like the alpha and xander is presented as like the gamma (laughs) like not even the beta like he is like the baby in that relationship, and in a weird way, his success I think hinges on that relationship still mattering. It's just it's gonna be fifty grand or uh, more stipend or seventh place instead eighth place mm-hmm. or whatever. But like their story's gonna matter. I think it's gonna pop off. I just don't know when. Yeah, for sure. Especially because she's like his. It's like they have this story where he's the troublemaker kid and she's the teacher who gives him shit, but still kind of appreciates and supports him mm-hmm. and that's that's actually kind of captivating to be honest so i, I do hope we get more there yeah, um definitely yeah, a more th- development from that yeah any other thoughts of dinner i don't think so uh yeah apparently he's a beast even though i mean i guess he did when he like he was kind of responsible for their recovery mm-hmm. yeah so i guess nasir was right there um yeah so that brings us to our predictions joe who is leaving next week on episode 6b episode 7 <laughs> uh i think it's gotta be sydney i think much like her the michelle schubert that came before her i think they're both unfortunate merge boots sorry why are you comparing her to the greatest survivor player of all time <laughs> Because they're both like, I don't know, didn't she think, I think she thought she was a mermaid. Michelle's the queen of dragons. They're both like kind of wild and aloof. Both have scales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Man. Yeah. Michelle Schubert needs to come back. Like, (laughs) this is an aside, but of anybody, I want her on a second chance season. Please make that happen, Survivor. Um, but I don't see how they're similar, but I, I, I could definitely see Sydney leaving next. I'm worried about it. I'm not even going to speak it into existence, but I don't know who I want to because Ricardo and Sydney would both make me very sad. I think I'm going to go with Danny leaves mm-hmm. and it's just like, I think one of Danny and Deshaun could leave early and that, that would still make sense. I think. Yeah. So we'll go with Danny and it's just, maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's something like that, but, uh, I almost like, I'd be a little surprised if it's, I don't know. It just, I feel like in many ways she looks like a merge boot, but she's also got a lot of content. I don't know. That makes me think maybe she kicks around. Don't merge boots get a lot of content. They do. I know. (laughs) 
Okay, I like her, and I don't want her to go, Joe. And okay. I'm worried you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> winner! Who? Uh, what's your thoughts on the winner, Joe? So, after I mean, discussing this, uh, before discussing this, it was going to be a repeat of last week. Shanley on and Nasir. But I think I'm rearranging a bit. It's all still, still very close. But I think I'm going to put Liana at number one, Nasir at number two, and then have Shan hanging on at number three. Nice. I think it's still a case of the season going three very different directions, and those seem like the three most viable paths. Uh, I'm going to fully agree with three different directions. However, we got, and it's pretty close to the same list. It's just, I got three contenders. Number three, Nasir. This would be the story of, again, I think this would be the bitter jury story. We got Liana. I think this would actually be the story of a very good player rises and learns from Shan. I think this would be Liana making the biggest move of the season and actually being presented in general as a good power player. Just a little bit like the deputy learning, more of like a Natalie Anderson than a Fabio or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I think we have Tiffany, who I think would be the next Sandra Diaz Twine from Pearl Islands. Um, I think that that's another way to say it, a, a, a Tony, but a woman. Um, I think I think that they occupy a similar similar role mm-hmm. uh, of a complicated, direct, chaotic presence that you still understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And to me, Tiffany's the most likely of those. But again, there there are three departures of where the season's going. I don't think there's a world where Evie or Shan or Card or any of your heavy hitters are winning this season. I think it's gonna be a deputy deputy wins. It's just is it the the guy who's a little clueless? Is it the one who learns to be a badass? Or is it the one who you accept their flaws and skills simultaneously? I don't know, but it's one of those three. Time will tell. The time, time in the tell. hourglass. It's gonna be Xander. Xander's gonna <laughs> sweep. Um it's gonna be Heather. Just watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, that's the show. Uh, you can email us at the winner edit at gmail.com. Usually we post on Saturdays or Sundays this week. It'll be probably Friday. Um, cause it's spooky Halloween and we're busy and we're busy. So hopefully the survivor monster or somebody in a survivor monster costume, uh, doesn't eat you on this spooky Halloween weekend. But other than that, thanks so much for enjoying the show. I uh, love the feedback. It's always fun doing this, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see you next week and find out. Will Erica give herself immunity and put all the people who betrayed her in danger? It's a hard the choice. The hanger of the century. <laughs> Will we see another game of paper, rock, scissors? Oh. Will we see Heather? Find out next time. Will we see Heather? (laughs) Will she show up on screen at some point? (laughs) We'll never know. Well, farewell. Bye. See ya.